Good morning. Welcome to Wake Up Carolina. Monday morning, April 17, 843-661-0937. A very abbrevi- Good morning, Royal Rev of Radio. Good morning. A very abbreviated sports section. Good morning. Let me get this mic out of the way so we've got a clear line of sight. All right, there you go. Uh, a very abbreviated. I was thinking about it riding over this morning. Your Gamecocks had a were, uh, kind of a rough Saturday and Sunday. My Braves had a splendid weekend. <laughs> oh, your Yeah. Your Braves, my Braves had a splendid weekend. Your Gamecocks got roughed up a little bit Saturday and Sunday. um, They did against the number five team of the country or number six team. I think Gamecocks were fifth. Vanderbilt was sixth. Vanderbilt wins two of three against South Carolina, losing Friday night, coming back Saturday and Sunday, and winning. Um, The questionable defense reared its head um, in both of those games against Vanderbilt. But um, but your Gamecocks had issues. My Braves are on <laughs> autopilot. And if it weren't for the um, – who is it that's like 13-2? and two, When the first 13 – is it Tampa Bay or – Oh, and uh, – uh, Yeah. Yeah, MLB. Yeah, yeah Tampa. Went 13-0 and have lost two consecutive since yeah, then. Did. But if not for that, the Braves would have the best record in all of Major League uh, Baseball. I, I tried to listen to a little bit of the Gamecock broadcast, which we carry on a sister station in the in the PD area. And, uh, and apparently this is a thing at Vanderbilt with the whistle. They have a whistle. A whistler. Oh, I couldn't listen to it. It was the most distracting, annoying thing I think I've heard. It's terrible. They've probably done like uh, some sort of uh, evaluation, scientific evaluation at Vanderbilt that this whistler increases the likelihood that they win the baseball well, game by 6.75% <laughs> or something like that. It may have worked. So the, um, so the whistler is, uh, is very prevalent. We, we, we touched on so many things last week. I mean, we really did not dive into one particular issue. But but one thing we didn't talk much about that I want to kind of open this week's show with, um, this uh, this Monday morning, and I'm struggling this morning. I mean, I'll level with you. I am struggling this morning. The first weekend of summer-like weather, and I was out of the sun a good bit Saturday and Sunday, and it drains you. Don't You don't realize it's draining you while it is, but um, down at the beach, bright sunshine, um, Far more humid than it has been in previous weekends, and it's got me um, zapped of the energy necessary to um, to engage in radio brilliance. But we'll we'll persevere nonetheless. Um, overnight, a a Delaware judge, for whatever reason, delayed the start of this Dominion voting machine Fox News trial. Um, it's, it's being reported. I don't know this to be true. Um, the Fox News Corporation is the parent company of Dow. It, it's it's not. It, it's weird. I mean, it is the parent company of the Wall Street Journal, but it's not designated as such. It's designated as the president of the publisher of the Dow Jones Company, which owns the Wall Street Journal. I mean, it's kind of. I started reading an article in the Wall Street Journal, and I'm thinking about how much truthism am I getting here when the parent company is in the throes of a a big lawsuit and. It's reported by the Wall Street Journal that the network, Fox News, is trying to settle the case. I think it's a $1.6 billion um, defamation case, and Fox News is trying to settle out of court for a uh, an amount different than $1.6 billion. The, this is kind of interesting, and this happened in the, in the original filing. Dominion sought lost profit damages of not less than $600 million. Dominion has informed, um, I, I guess, whomever they're responsible for informing, the judge, I guess, 
that they're not going to present a jury with claims of what the alleged lost profits are. Now, here's what the Wall Street Journal is saying. You ready? The Fox News lawyers, and here we go with legal speak, the Fox News lawyers realize that since Dominion is not going to present a jury with ironclad evidence of exactly what their alleged lost profits are, that's a, that's that's kind of a dog whistle in that world for, hey, we're interested in settling this case for an amount less than um, $600 million. So we got a $1.6 billion um, pending lawsuit that was supposed to go to trial today. They've delayed it about one day until tomorrow. Now, I listened to Bill O'Reilly Friday. Bill O'Reilly is a, fi- a former um, headliner for Fox News. Um, I, Tucker would have taken his place. Tucker now is the headliner at Fox News. Something about that 8 o'clock time slot at Fox News that leads you to um, – to, to, to very high compensation and high ratings. I mean, that 8 o'clock time slot at Fox News is probably uh, the creme de la creme of all uh, time slots and yeah. political Primetime talk TV. radio. No, no, talk t- t- television, no doubt about it. But um, but but this really, and I, and I read a good bit last night about it and read a little bit more this morning, um, if the case is not resolved out of court, I mean, if there's not some deal made today, and, and it apparently, I mean, the two sides are apparently negotiating with one another about what the number is. Um, will 1.6 billion devastate Fox? It'll have a tremendous financial impact, but they've got about $4 billion cash on hand. So they've got the money to square up. They've got a lot of insurance. I mean, I think I read one day last week it would cost them. I mean, if they had to pay the entire $1.6 billion, they would have to come up with about half and some of the insurance companies that they uh, have associations and um, and then policies with would come up with the other half. But, but, but once Dominion says that they're not going to present to the jury claims of what the exact alleged profits are, the Fox News radio, excuse me, Fox News radio, I'm used to say that Fox News lawyers say, wow, this may be the opportunity to settle this thing. The insurance companies are on board. We think Fox is on board. I'll make a prediction. I think there'll be a settlement announced probably late this afternoon, details pending. You know, the, the, in other words, the trial will not move forward. I wanted the trial to move forward. I mean, I really and truly did because I don't think this is just about Fox News. I mean, this is about the um, the, the First Amendment proviso, this um, uh, the, the interpretation of modern media law, what a network can say and get away with, what is truly defini- defamation, and what is not defamation, uh, there's some incriminating evidence here. Um, the, the two central figures are Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani. I mean, th- those are the two that Fox News allowed on the airwaves, knowing that they had no evidence whatsoever that Dominion had been involved in whether Joe Biden won the election or not, uh, tampering with votes. In other words, if you go and vote, your vote is converted by a ratio of uh, 7.5% to the other candidate. That's the, that's, that's the accusation that Fox News, the Fox News didn't make the accusation. Fox News allowed Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani, I think there was a total of 22 guest appearances by six separate guests, but the majority were Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani. And I can remember when some of our callers called it about Sidney Powell and I said, show it. I mean, right. she kept saying, we've got evidence. We were waiting to hear the and, evidence, and, 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 I remember. And, and people were waiting with bated breath. But but it was not evidence that the election was was stolen. It was not election um, questions like the percentage of people in senior homes in Wisconsin. 
you know, the, the anecdotal, well, not really anecdotal, the, um, the, the, the statistical anomalies that we discussed at great length, we never, and I'm proud of this because I read the entire story, and it's a long story in the Wall Street Journal, we never went down that road. I think we had ample evidence to suggest an investigation as to why in, in, in the state of Wisconsin, Racine County, why did 100% of the seniors vote in about 18 senior homes? I mean, you don't buy that. I don't buy that. Nobody buys that. But, but instead, Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani went, went as representatives of the president. I mean, they, they were speaking on behalf of President Trump. I mean, they were his employees. They were lawyers. I mean, he had signed a deal with Rudy. He had signed a deal with Sidney Powell. They were under retainer to find out exactly what happened, and they went down this road. Remember the, um, I'm not making this up, the Grenada Special Forces had confiscated voting machines in the jungles of Grenada. I mean, remember when Sidney Powell started yeah. making, I'm like, what the hell is she talking about? about? Venezuela. Yeah, something. Venezuela, yeah. baby. One of these, uh, these off-the-beaten-path countries. But, um, but, but Tucker Carlson had a lot to say in some emails. I mean, this would be uh, hurtful to Fox News when he said, uh, sent an email to his producer, Sidney Powell is lying, and you let her on anyway. I mean, he was, he was challenging the producer. Why are we letting Sidney Powell on our show? I mean, she's lying. Um, he wrote a similar message to fellow anchor Laura Ingram when he said, it's unbelievably offensive to me. Our viewers are good people, and they believe this nonsense. Um, and it was kind of the, um, I mean, it really and truly was mainstream political chatter on Fox News and Fox News alone. But, but that's not why I'm so interested in the story. The reason I'm so interested in the story is the First Amendment right. What shield of protection broadcasters have um, that knowingly or recklessly spread lies? I mean, they're, they're, obviously the mainstream media wants to take a shot at Fox. I mean, it's the conservative outlet. It is a, um, it's a conservative media empire, unlike any other. I mean, Limbaugh was a big deal. I mean, Limbaugh would have been the only voice in conservative media that rivaled Fox News, but Fox News moves the media like nobody else. I mean, there's no single voice in American politics today that sways opinion like Tucker Carlson. I mean, that would have been the old Bill O'Reilly. That would have been, I mean, he is the central figure of the Fox News empire as we speak. And Tucker basically said that this lady's lying and we're letting her on the air, spreading her lies. Well, I mean, I think MSNBC's done that. I think CNN has done that. I think NBC and ABC and CBS News have done that. So if it takes Fox being the, um, you know, the victim in this example, but we get to the bottom of exactly who knew what, when, where, and how, then let's have at it. So I'm not in favor of a settlement. I'm in favor of a trial. And I'm in favor of, let's, let's lay down a line of demarcation. When is it defamation? When is the First Amendment not protective of, of um, free speech? Can't yell fire in a theater. You can't allow a woman and a man, uh, Giuliani and Sidney Powell, to come on your, your airways and knowingly and willingly spread falsehoods. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, will we, will we find out at some point in time? And we're not going to find this out in the settlement. But will we find out at some point in time, <coughs> excuse me, that Trump directed Giuliani and Sidney Powell to go out and spread those lies, no matter if they're lies? I mean, if you're being paid, I mean, let's just put ourselves in Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani. I mean, if, if Trump's paying you a lot of money and, and your, your reputation, I mean, you're kind of a, um, you're a bad boy or bad girl of lawyering anyway. I mean, Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani don't fit the, the typical mold of being an attorney. I don't know if they're good lawyers or not. 
I mean, they're, they're, they're well-known lawyers. They're highly compensated lawyers. They're, uh, you know, uh, they're public figures as lawyers go. But I want the, the case to go to trial because I want to see where exactly is that line of demarcation? Um, where, where do broadcasters have shield and protection from knowingly and willingly spreading because yeah, this um, is falsehoods. less less a First Amendment issue and more a civil issue. Well, I mean, to me, it is. Yeah, it's not. A, it's no criminal uh, issue. It's a civil issue. Right. I mean, they're looking for money. Uh, Dominion says they have been, you know, they, been their reputations have been damaged. They, they've been financially harmed. They're not selling as many voting machines now. Once again, they they informed the the judge yesterday that they're not going down that road. I mean, I've got it right here. They basically said that they are not going to provide uh, Dominion will not present a jury, the jury, with claims for alleged lost profits. In its original 2021 lawsuit, Dominion sought lost profit damages of not less than $600 million. So I got to believe Dominion's a little uncomfortable with how to prove what that number is. I mean, the jury's going to be, it's, it's a jury of peers. I mean, it's not financial gurus. It's not you know, media experts. This is going to be a jury picked of, you know, just normal Joes and Jills. And all of a sudden they're sitting down trying to figure out exactly what the alleged lost profits are. So when they pull this off the table, I mean, I'm reading, I'm speculating. I don't have any idea what lawyers perceive when something like this happens. But when they, when, when they basically inform the jury that they're not going to make a specific claim, a financial or monetary claim as to what amount of alleged lost profits they've had since that their brand has been damaged, to your point. Um, the Fox News lawyers see this as an opportunity to settle. I got to believe somebody got to the judge and said, hey, can we have an extra day? I mean, the, 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 the trial is to start this morning at 9 o'clock. If you can push it back a day, we may be able to come to some sort of um, decision. You got to believe that in a case this high profile, the insurance companies, I mean, they, they, they've got to want to settle. I mean, that, that, you know, I would imagine they've committed X number of dollars to this and X number of dollars to that. So um, it's just, it's a very interesting case, but, but it's not about, I mean, obviously the mainstream media would rather Fox be gone. I mean, then we'd have a completely and totally liberal mainstream media. The reason I wanted to be heard out, Rev, is let's find out what that line is. What can a network get away with and what can't they get away with? Um, because... Yeah, I mean, Fox News spread it. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. Well, well, they they let guests, I guess they invited guests on who proposed a theory. Now, the question is, to me, one of the questions is, did they believe it? Did Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani, did they have evidence that they were interpreting as, hey, this may have happened and we need to put that out there? I think that's given them far more benefit of the doubt. I'm than just saying. I think they were paid hands. Maybe. <laughs> And, and they went out and, and whatever the president said, say, they said it. I mean, I, uh, once again, peddling fantasy. This is where the rooster comes home. Uh, the proverbial rooster comes home to roost uh, in this case. Let's take our first break of the morning. we got some calls. We'll get there as this um, takes Mondays to make Fridays show progressive. To me, the idea that Dominion rigged the machines to count votes a certain way and not another way insults those of us who believe we've done the necessary research to understand the statistical anomalies, the ballot harvesting, the private financing of campaigns, uh, the unsolicited mail-in ballots. I mean, would you agree to that, Rev? Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, definitely. I, but I don't know. I mean, nobody knows, but I guess somebody knows. <laughs> but, but I remember thinking when I was hearing it on Fox, <laughs> for example, that, wow, I mean, imagine if that's true. 
but where's the proof? Well, I mean, there's never been any proof. Well, there's no proof that everybody in a senior home in Wisconsin didn't vote. But you use your noggin for something a little more than just a, a hat rack. I mean, you got to think. If the, if the historical average is 68% and 68 turns into 92, and, and the historical average is 73%, and 73 turns into 94%, I mean, I mean I, I'm a college dropout from a town with no stop block, but you don't hit me in the face with a wet mop. I mean, I can do the, the, the reality there. I mean, the reality is something happened we can't explain. Now, now once again, the programming of voting machines is something I know absolutely nothing about. But it looks to me like Fox knows that they allowed people to come on their air and say things they knew were untrue, but it fed into this narrative. The Trump universe was so paranoid about uh, what, what all may have happened and what did happen, and they were going to believe about anything that came out right. of anybody's mouth. Remember the vote changes sure. in the middle of the sure. night? I mean, we were flabbergasted. They, they were ripe for suspicion. I, yeah. mean, they, I was, you were, everybody else was. Definitely. But, but I think the most important point you made it was, show me the proof. I mean, they, they, Glenn Beck says that City Powell came on his show one day. Now, now Beck says conspiracy theories as they come. So stop saying, well, you know how Glenn Beck is. Yeah, you damn right I know how Glenn Beck is. I mean, he's more likely to let somebody like that come on. And, you know, sometimes he's right. But Beck even said that he was not going to let Sidney Powell on again until she provided some proof. Giuliani was doing the same sort of thing. Fox News continued to allow those people to make repeat appearances. And, and, and my problem is this. I think the election was stolen. But I think it was stolen via private financing of campaigns, unsolicited mail-in ballots, ballot harvesting, all the shenanigans that happened in Philadelphia and Maricopa County and uh, Fulton County and Gwinnett County in Georgia. It's just hard for me to believe that machines were rigged to miscount votes in favor of one candidate over another. Let's go to the phone. Someone's there. Breeze, good morning. And the truth is we'll never know. You know, we'll never know for sure. But, you know, I tell you, kid, you're talking about free speech. And my question is, you, you have free speech, but there again, are you willing to use your free speech? I mean, like, I was looking at the stuff that uh, the Florida legislature and governor's doing. And, you know, when he put out a, a you know, he said, we're not going to accept any kind of digital currency. Then he did things to stop uh, this uh, stuff of the... Um, battery power yeah he's doing all of these things that our legislature should do you know like the gear program we talk about with hospitals they should do it but these hospitals have a lot of power you know you raise enough cane about something kid what are your sponsors is liable to call you know the same thing with uh so how much free speech does this legislature have when they have uh how can you go against electric cars when they're building on uh, battery uh factories here in South Carolina. You see what I'm saying? I mean, so you're, you're kind of hamstrung. As the legislature, you know, you want to do the right thing. You know that uh, destroying the internal combustion engine would be a bad thing, but at the same time, you got a Japanese battery factory coming into town, and you don't want to raise too much hell because they bring it in jobs. You, know, you sit there, and you know that it's probably a bad thing for an 18-year-old to have to pay half the salary to a hospital, but these hospitals bring jobs, and they have a lot of lobbyists. I mean, it goes on and on and on. What about the digital currency? Well, if the banks are far, and all these banks are pretty damn powerful, and you have your money in a bank, and you may actually have another job besides being a legislature, you may own another business, 
you want all these banks mad at you. I mean, so, you know, you're really, at the end of the damn day, we're still being controlled by these huge corporations and, these, and, and government. And it's probably been that way for a thousand years. So really, how much free speech are you willing to have? You know, I mean, how much are you willing to risk for free speech? And how much are you willing to risk to do us right? I'm not saying I've got that much, got much guts either. You see where I'm going? So I don't know, I don't know if Dominion rigged the machines or not. I can't imagine Sidney Powell or, uh, or Giuliani just destroying their reputation. And again, like you say, we can't prove that all those people in the nursing homes didn't vote. We can't prove any damn thing, I guess. You know, we've got a damn good feeling about what's going on. And I tell you, uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the next election. I don't think the Democrats care who they run. I think they haven't figured out that they haven't figured out better than the Republicans. And I don't know that matters who runs. They're probably still. What if they win? What if the Democrats win again in two years, kid? What if they? I don't think they're going to run Biden. But let's say they just come up with anybody. They could come up with the cat in the hat and say the cat in the hat is the president in two years. What do we say about elections then? I mean, what if a Democrat wins in two years? What, what are we going to say then? Thank you, Breeze. Appreciate it. I mean, I'll say this. I think the Dominion voting machines voted irregular ballots. I mean, I, I counted. I mean, I, there's no question in my mind. Some of the manually, um, what, what am I trying to say here? So, some of the votes that were manually entered in, like, um, you know, pre-election, post-election, absentee ballots, unsolicited mail-in ballots, um, early voting. I mean, absolutely, I think the Dominion machine counted votes. It should not have counted. But, but it's hard to convince me. i got to see some proof, guys. I mean, if we're going to make a point, I mean, let's think of this. If we're going to argue that somebody went in and short-wired the programming of the voting machines to count, you know, the, um, the Democrat vote 110% of the time and the Republican vote 98% of the time, I mean, you've got to have some information. I mean, there's got to be some proof here. I mean, you can't make a charge like that or a claim like that. And when somebody like Tucker Carlson says, okay, Ms. Powell, where's the proof? And she says it's coming, and it doesn't come. And Giuliani says some of the same things. Uh, you know, I want to say again, I want to reiterate, I believe the Dominion machines counted votes. They had no business counting. Absolutely. But but you you got to convince me that they were counting the Democrat votes at a higher percentage or disproportionately to the Republican votes. I mean, if you make a claim like that, you've got to, I mean, you can't just say that. I mean, we can't be. I mean that you're talking about banana republic. I mean, if we if we allow that to just be normalized, but but once again, the the, the interest I have in this is the the media organizations in America have historically enjoyed uh, what's it called uh, 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 robust protections. I mean they they've had great great degrees of protection under the First Amendment, um, and defamation cases have been unbelievably difficult. Uh, the National Enquirer comes to mind. I mean, I think Carol Burnett may have won a case against the National Enquirer, but I mean, they say this person has nine babies by nine different men, and you know, you can't win a defamation case as a result of. So this could change the modern precedent. I mean, this could change some of the defamation laws, some of the um, some of the libel laws, some of the um, you know, you can't slander this person or slander that person. So so if Fox is going to be the target. And it's obvious Fox was going to be the first target. I mean, if there was going to be a defamation case brought against a media empire, it wasn't going to be NBC or ABC or CBS. It was going to be Fox News. I mean, they're the outlier. They're the conservative news organization. So if, um, if the United States government 
was going after somebody. Uh, it was going to be, and I mean, the government's not, Dominion is, is doing this, but the government's allowing this trial to proceed, and most don't even make it to trial. I mean, most of these defamation cases against media empires, they never make it to trial. This one happens to be making it to trial, and it's partially because it's Fox News, but it's largely because Fox has admitted. I mean, Rupert Murdoch says he regrets. And, and Tucker's got their, their emails with Tucker and Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity saying, hey, man, these people are lying. These people aren't telling the truth. But look at our ratings. I mean, look at every time Giuliani comes on Tucker's show and says they have, you know, they, they have proof that the Dominion machines were rigged. Or Sidney Powell says we have proof that the Dominion machines were rigged. And, and at some point in time, Tucker says, hey, I'm not letting her back on unless she has proof. And Hannity says, and if Hannity says it, wow. Hannity says, I'm not letting her back on or him back on. Glenn Beck said, I'm not letting Sidney Powell back on my radio show until she provides proof of these charges she's making. Nobody ever gave any proof. Nobody ever provided any information. Now, now once again, the Dominion machines miscounting votes and the Dominion machine counting votes that it shouldn't have counted are two separate things. I believe in Gwinnett County, there were thousands of votes fed into Dominion machines that had absolutely no business ever being counted. That's the road I tried to look down because, once again, I wouldn't know where to begin. Whether that was a, um, a short wiring of a software system in a voting machine manufactured by Dominion that, that counted Democrat votes at a higher price. I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, you, you could say, hey, here's the formula, here's the machine. Here's the layout. I mean, you may make heads or tails of it, Rev, but there's no way I could begin to make heads or tails. You would get much further down the road than I would <laughs> because you're far more electronically and technologically inclined um, well, than so I am. I do know that software can be programmed to do anything that the programmer tells it Without to do. question. That there is no doubt about it. And if somebody wanted to shortwire a software in a, in a voting system to do exactly what they're being charged of, I, they probably could. But where was the proof? There was never any proof given. In fact, the proof is, in my humble opinion, when Tucker says these people are lying. These people are not telling us the truth. Let's go to the phone. Larry in the PD. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I don't know why exactly, but I just don't care about what you're revved up about today. I don't care if Sidney Powell got on the news and lied. How many times have we said we're going to have to do what they do or we're going to lose our country? And I don't want to say that it's okay to do wrong to get a chance to do right. But, I mean, everybody lies about everything all the time. I mean, Miller Lite gets on TV and says, we're the best beer in America. Well, how the heck can you prove that? Can't. But we let them say it. We don't say that they're committing some sort of fraud or something. And Michael Avenatti got on television and said everything every which way but loose about Donald Trump, and there was no repercussion for him for what he said. Now, he got caught doing some other things, but there was no repercussion for that. We get on TV and say the planet's going to burn up in a fiery ball of nonsense in six years, and uh, somehow if you don't believe in climate change, you're racist, and, and nobody challenges that. And they get up on TV and say Joe Biden is the best president that ever lived. And certainly there's no proof of that. And nothing happens. And they get on TV and they say that uh, George Bush was in a conspiracy to do this, that, and the other. And I, I just, I don't care. 
everybody lies about everything all the time. And so to think that this one particular thing, if it happens to be a lie, and the thing is you can't even prove that they're lying because you can't prove that they're not, because the real problem and what they really pointed out is that the whole thing is shrouded in secrecy. And, you know, if you put a vote in a ballot box, anybody with any level of education can prevent that from happening. Just sit on the ballot box and don't let people cheat. But if you turn this thing over to these computers, it just could have been pre-programmed 20 years ago. You wouldn't know. And I think that's the most important thing in this whole discussion is you can say, well, I think they're lying, but you don't know. None of us know. They goofed this thing up so bad, we've all lost faith in everything. So the reason that they're going to get out of this lawsuit is because, I can promise you, CNN, CNNBC, and MSNBC and all them, they don't want to tell the truth. They don't want to have to be responsible for people getting on their show and telling the truth. They need people to get on their show and lie. That's why they're stopping this thing in its tracks, because it's got too many implications too far and wide. It'll never happen. You, you think that the, the, the Toyota is going to have to say, we might be number one, but we're not sure, because, and that's what we have to tell you because of this lawsuit. Heck no. This is never going anywhere. They're not going to stop people from lying on television. I can tell you that right now. Thank you, Larry. Appreciate it. Eight four three six six one. I mean, the, the the biggest difference is lost profits damages. I mean, if if Jeb Bush says we need to do this and Donald Trump says we need to do that, there is no lost profit damages. I've learned that in business. I mean, they, they, you know, there are a lot of he said, she said, they said, uh, them said. Um, but but lost profit damages are the legal definition of when. I mean, if if um if Dominion is seeking lost profits lost profit damages. Um, they've got to prove it. I mean, it, it, were they selling X number of machines and now they're selling 30% fewer machines because the machine's um, integrity have been brought into question? That's a legal filing. I mean, that, that's a legal suit. That's a lot different than saying, um, I'm the best beer maker in America. I, I'm the fastest runner on the in the block. I mean, that may be a lie. I'm the, I'm the greatest high school football player there's ever been. You don't believe me? Go back and look at my 1981 and 82 yearbook. Uh, you see where I'm headed? I mean, what? who loses in that? I mean, when I say I'm the greatest, Dave Baker's the greatest radio producer there's ever been. I mean, that may be a lie. I don't think it's a lie, but it may be a lie. But there is no <laughs> lost profit damage there. And when Dominion says Fox News costs them money, that's a big deal. You may not like it, but that's a big deal. And that, and I'm with Larry. I hope this goes to trial. Because once again, in the, in the modern um, media law, and the way it's been interpreted, and we've got case precedent here, um, the media organizations, I think I used the word a, a while ago, they've had these robust protections from allowing or, or I mean, the First Amendment gives them freedom of speech, and it makes it real hard to prove defamation. But, but you know, Larry's questioning why this and not George Bush, you know. Or this, Donald Trump colluded with Russia what I mean, what, to steal the 2016 election. I'm telling election. you guys, I've been in business my entire adult life. There are three words. And you better remember them. Lost profits damages. 843-661-0937. Take a break. Back in a few. Takes Mondays to make Fridays. 843-661-0937. I love it when our listeners disagree. I mean, it makes Me so too. much better product. Um, yeah, the, the, the host said it, so it must be true. No, the host said it because he believes it to be true. You may believe something else to be true. And that is certainly, certainly um, good for our product here 
Wake Up Carolina. Let's go to the phone. Someone's there. Verd in Marlboro County. It's been a while since we heard from Verd. Good morning. Hey, hey. Verd, you there? Verd is I done guess there. it'll be longer. I guess it'll be a little longer <laughs> before we hear from our from our good friend out in the um Darn. in the grassroots Verd. 843-661-0937. I would imagine Verd is going to talk about the Republican Party. I want to do this because we're talking about where we are going into um, 2024. Is it going to be Ron DeSantis? Is it going to be Donald Trump? Is it going to be someone um, other than DeSantis or Trump? Answer to that's no. Um, is it going to be Joe Biden? Is it going to be uh, AOC? Is it going to be, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom? Uh, don't know on the other side. Don't keep tabs on them as, um, as stringently as I do on um, when I'll say our side. But when you look at uh, which party enters the primary in a better position, um, you got, I mean, there, there are a lot of political pundits and analysts out there, Rev, um, who has the clear advantage. Uh, we, we talk about demographics a lot. The Democrats have the advantage in some of the demos. But when you look at the issues, and I looked at this over the weekend, um, which political party's views are closer to yours? I mean, that's kind of an interesting way to phrase the question, which political party's views are closer to yours on the um, what we'll call the major issues on the economy? Republicans lead 41-29. Immigration, Republicans lead 40-30. Crime and policing, Republicans win 40-28. Government spending, Republicans win 35-26. Parents' rights and education, 36-33, um, a little closer than I would have um, that I would have expected that to be but um the um the role in world affairs the republicans lead 35 32 freedom of speech uh, the republicans lead 37 35 the democrats have an advantage on social and cultural issues um 36 33 and on abortion 40 to 30 but the i mean the overall picture is fairly clear on the issues that matter most in our daily lives, and I'm talking about the economy, immigration, crime, policing, government spending, education, the Republicans are in a better place. Can they message? I mean, that that's interesting. You know, the, um, the message and the messenger. Who is going to be the messengers with ours beside um, their name? Let's go to the phone. And Verd, going to try again. Hey, Verd. Yeah, good morning. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Um, on top, uh, I was reelected Thursday night to my third term as uh, Marlboro County Chairman. Uh, had a good crowd. Russell Fry was my guest speaker. Saturday, I presided over the Florence County uh, Republican Party uh, convention, and I'd like to congratulate Mike Page on being reelected and Miss Charlotte Hendricks on being reelected as state executive committee person. And uh, yesterday, I was asked to preside over the uh, Ori County convention at Burfoot Landing next weekend. So. <laughs> Been pretty busy trying to get these conventions set up and get a reorganization out of the way. And we've all had, looks like we've all had very good conventions. And uh, I think uh, Ori County is expecting, I think, 300 at their convention uh, Saturday. Thank you, Verd. Appreciate that. A lot of hard work, grassroots in the trenches, so to speak. 843 661 0937. Congratulations, Verd. Congratulations, Verd. Bird did better than um than Rev's Gamecock baseball team did over the weekend. Had a better record. He's having problems with his computer as we speak. Do we have another call, Rev? Yeah, sorry. Okay. The wire fell off the back of the computer. Yeah, sometimes it gets there. real complicated. The wire fell off <laughs> the back of the computer. That's the way it happens. Yeah. Uh, here's Sam in Cross Hill. Morning, Sam. 
Uh, good morning, fellas. Uh, enjoying the show as always. Uh, I want to go back to your uh, previous discussion about the lost profits damages. You know, uh, I, I know where you're coming from, Ken. You're talking about just basically a financial loss to a particular institution, Dominion, in this particular case. But let's take this thing a lot broader. I think that as a result of all the lies spewed by the likes of Adam Schiff and carried on by the major media uh, during Trump's uh, uh, tenure, uh, and also uh, the stuff that just continued to be carried on over the next uh, two years, um, contributed to lost profit damages for the country as a whole. And, you know, if you want to put financial terms on it, just take a look at the high, the inflation rates and um, the inflation rate and uh, what, what transpired there, gas prices, food prices, and, and whatnot, and the mess this country is in. So I would, you know, I would I kind of take a look at lost profits damages um, uh, it, it, at that particular level, and I blame the major network media also. And I know Trump was responsible for a lot of the problems too, with his uh, his humility and everything that uh, he carried on. But anyway, let's let's take a look at lost profits, damages from the country as a whole. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. I mean, I, I don't dispute any of that, but g- give me a number. So, someone just give me a number. I, I'm not disputing. I'm not disagreeing with any of what people are saying. I'm just saying that the majority of modern media law has given robust protection to media um, who have just misled people. I mean, Larry said it. All of you know this. I mean, Fox News is not the first media outlet to let someone on the air and tell something that's not true. I mean, that's going to happen today. It'll happen tomorrow. It'll happen the next day. It'll happen on Fox, CNN, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC. But I just believe the reason, I think there are two things that have led to where we are today. And for those just joining us, um, a Delaware judge late yesterday afternoon or last night delayed the start of this eagerly anticipated trial on the, um, the, the, the Dominion voting machines defamation case against Fox News. Um, now, reports, and I read the Wall Street Journal this morning, reports are that Fox News is looking for a possible way to settle the case, reached out to the judge and said, can we start Tuesday instead of Monday? And um, because we're in negotiations behind the scenes, off the record. And the judge, I mean, I, you know, if the judge, you got to believe the judge is aware of any negotiations that are going on. So if the judge doesn't think they're getting anywhere, you, you got to believe the judge would say, nah, you, you thought we're giving you long enough. But, but apparently there's been some sort of breakthrough here. So, so the points I'm making, guys, I'm not on a different team here. But I do believe that Fox is being singled out. I do believe that CBS and ABC and NBC are as guilty as Fox ever has been at allowing people to come on the air and not tell the truth. And Fox has admitted that. I mean, they, they basically admitted we let people come on and we knew they weren't telling the truth and we let them come on anyway. I mean, they've admitted as much as that. Media organizations do that every day. But Dominion is arguing that because you let Sidney Powell come on, because you let Rudy Giuliani come on, you caused us um, financial damage. You defamed our name, and people who were buying voting machines didn't buy as many Dominion machines because they heard on Fox News that our machines were corrupt. 
that we had, you know, uh, we programmed our machines to be unfair to one party over another. Now, now we're not debating whether that happened or not. We're debating that nobody ever proved that or not. And, I mean, it, it, does, does the standard innocent to proven guilty apply to Dominion? I mean, I'd hope it does, right? I mean, I do believe that Dominion counted illegitimate ballots. I think there were harvesting done in Gwinnett and Fulton County, in, in, in Maricopa County, and Racine County, and um, the Philadelphia suburbs. I mean, there, there's no doubt in my mind that there were ballots entered into Dominion machines that should not have ever been counted as a legitimately cast ballot. But that's an opinion I have. I'm not accusing Dominion, the people who make the machines, of, you know, uh, skewing the numbers one way or another. That's a pretty big charge when you think about it. I mean, that's a pretty, I mean, let me ask you a question, Rip. If you were the owner of Dominion voting machines and you turned the television on the most watched news organization in the world and they were on 22 separate occasions saying that your machines were programmed to count Democrats at a higher rate than Republicans, what would you do? Of course, you know. I mean, what you you got to protect your name. you got to yeah. protect your brand. And there is a loss, profits, damage here. And that's why we are in case. Now, they've argued $600 million. Now, they've tabulated. That's probably a made-up number. It's pretty obvious it is a made-up number now because Dominion informed the judge yesterday that they're not going to present the jury with claims for what the exact alleged loss profits are. That's why we believe they're in some sort of negotiation to come to a to a settlement. The insurance companies for Fox News are very involved in these negotiations. But my interest is, once again, maybe I'm not being as clear this Monday morning, my interest is the modern media law that has prohibited anybody from seeking defamation damages because they do it all the time. I mean, they lie all the time. You know, um, Ken Art said Dave Becker sucked as a uh, producer. <laughs> Uh, you know, but uh, Dave Baker was on CNN I'm, I'm yesterday. Well, I mean, you see where I'm headed. But <laughs> but this has the lost profits damages, and and media organizations have historically enjoyed um, a lot of protection under the First Amendment, and and defamation cases hardly ever make it this far. So, do I believe that Fox is being singled out? Probably, probably so. But Fox News has also admitted that they willingly and knowingly let people go on the air time after time after time, and they had no corroboration, no substantiation for the damaging things they were saying about a for-profit business. Uh, but that's that's a little unique. That's a lot of unraveling that'll happen. I hope they don't settle because I hope we define the, the, the line of demarcation. This will be the most modern era of defamation law and what a media organization can say or cannot say. And if you and you, you better be careful if you let Mike, Michael Avenatti come on and say certain things disparaging about certain other people. I mean, there's been a kind of a, um, I mean, not even an acceptance, almost an expectation that some Republicans going on Fox saying something derogatory about a Democrat and some Democrats going on CNN and MSNBC and say something derogatory about the Republicans. I mean, that is, I mean that, that's not an acceptance. We expect that to happen. But where is the monetary damage? And that's what I'm trying to really focus on. And, and the stolen election segments that Fox knew were false and led on anyway, Dominion is saying, cost us money, cost us a lot of money. Let's go to the phone. Here's Rujan. Good morning. Well, well, good morning, guys. 
hey, listen, I mean, you know, I, I hope they let this, this lawsuit go on and don't settle because I would really love to go back to the Harry Reid comment about Mitt Romney and he didn't, he didn't, didn't, uh, he didn't report his taxes. He didn't pay his taxes. And then all of a sudden, Harry Reid was asked about it, and he said he didn't win, did he? So here's the thing. <laughs> that was a monetary, you know, issue for, for Mitt Romney. But we'd really, I don't, I, 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 I would rather talk about some other candidate, but Mitt Romney's doing what he's doing. But uh, my thing is uh, Schiff, Adam Schiff, and the whole squad and all the rest of them, that are talking about, you know, all these disparities by laws and, and, you know, that, that are, that are being, you know, put upon the black community or the brown community or the trans community and so on and so forth. It's, it's, it's all lies. I mean, I wanted to go forth because I wanted to set a precedent so we can go forward with shutting their mouths unless they're telling the damn truth. That's it. That's what I want to see. Thank you, Rujan. Appreciate it. Here's an interesting question. Should there be a financial penalty for someone going on a major network and saying something they know to not be true? I mean, let's take this out of the equation. Take the um, the lost profits out of the equation. Take the monetary realities out of the equation. Lost profit damages doesn't matter. Should CNN allow someone to come on the air and say things they know to be untrue and, and not challenge that person? Because O'Reilly says... Had Fox News had Sidney Powell on at 8.05 on Tucker's show and at 8.10 had a representative from Dominion, they would have been fine. I mean, it's kind of a, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's punditry. It's, it's opinion television. Tucker's not a journalist. He's, a, um, he's, a, uh, he's an opinion monster with a big audience. But, but had Tucker said, you know, or even if Tucker had said, we invited someone from Dominion voting mm-hmm. machines to come on the air. and um, In other they, words, here's an editorial yeah. opinion and here's a response. Here's a rebuttal. Yep. But here's the point-counterpoint part of it. Now, Riley's pretty versed in this stuff. I mean, he's lived in that world, and I would imagine he's been sued and probably sued someone else multiple times uh, for defamation and been sued uh, for defamation. But but the reality is we've accepted in media today for people to be fundamentally dishonest for political gain. You know what happens. It's not an acceptance. It's an expectation. We expect Democrats to say untrue things about Republicans. We expect Republicans to say untrue things about Democrats. That's been kind of the modern era of political. It's not even law. I mean, it's just political theater is what it is. Um, should that change? Should media organizations before, in other words, when a Democrat comes on the CNN airwaves and says, you know, we would have bounced the budget last year if not for those Republicans. But you know that's fundamentally dishonest. And I'll use the same party in the other way. If the Republicans come on and say, we would have bounced the budget last year if not for those. Should there be any punishment What about the Democrats that go on the news now and say, you know, five people, five police officers were killed on January 6th by Trump protesters? What is the lost profits damages there? I mean, but to your point. I I get it. but, But, okay, and that's the point I'm trying to make. Should we forget the lost profits damages and go to this, the, the, the newest modern media era of, you know, um, if, if you tell a lie on television, there's going to be a price to pay. When you sit down with someone from CNN or someone from Fox News, now, now how do you know? Somebody asked me one day, what do I do in the mornings? I give you my opinion of what I believe to be true. Think about what I just said. I give you my opinion 
of what I believe to be true. I don't say 2 plus 2 equals 5. I don't throw 3 minus 2 equals 2. But I give you my opinion of what I believe to be true. 843-661-0937. Back in a minute. I want to shift gears away from the recent story. The story we spent, what, an hour and a half this morning discussing the Fox News Dominion voting machine case that is going to be pushed back a day in hopes and anticipation that some sort of settlement is going to be reached between the media empire, Fox News, and uh, Dominion voting machines. One of the stories that dominated the news last week, we didn't touch on a lot because it was a hard news story and something that we not created a lot of commentary and opinion about. Um, I'm better prepared today. Uh, we have with us this morning a political strategist, former congressional candidate, author of Raven's Mantle, Fighting the Betrayal of America, Raven Harrison. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing great. So my, my Monday morning word for this story is the incompetence is stunning. Um, how in the world, and I guess I'll start here, how in the world a 21-year-old National Guardsman could have been accessed uh, that sort of information? Ms. Harrison, what do you, I mean, what, what do we make of the incompetence is stunning side of this story? We uh, make that you are spot on, <laughs> Ken, is because I have, I, I just want to give for context, both of my parents are retired lieutenant colonels in the United States Air Force with top secret Pentagon clearance. So with that context, the number of documents that my parents have ever leaked that I've ever accidentally come across, zero uh, and counting, uh, is the fact that this one, he graduated in 2019, given top level uh, security clearance by the Pentagon itself. And this seems to be a perpetual problem with the Biden administration. Roe versus Wade leaked. Um, Alvin Bragg indictment leaked. Um, this has been leaked. Afghanistan botched withdrawal leaked. This seems to be a continual problem with this administration of leaking documents. And now we've got two layers of this. We've got the fact that it was leaked, highly sensitive breach of protocol and uh, a security concern. And we have what was leaked that shows that this administration has a loose relationship with the truth. Let me let me go here for a second. When when Eric Snowden um, leaked classified information, we believed, or I personally did, it was ideologically driven. I mean, he had a certain worldview. Yes. And there was an intent. Um, it doesn't seem to be the case here. Am I, am I on the right trail? You are on uh, the correct trail. What they will try to do, though, if you are, his, if you are Jack Tixera's uh, lawyer, you're going to be trying to spin it that way because the hammer is getting ready to come down on this young man in a way that I don't think he's prepared for. This was released in a, in a popular game site called Discord. So it was a, a chat that he had created among um, his friends. And so the all indications were he was trying to show off a little bit, but he did mention some interesting terms of government overreach and um, some misinformation coming out of the administration, namely that we are in fact in a war in the Ukraine that we did not realize. We were in. We we've been giving foreign aid, and the amount we've given to the Ukraine exceeds Russia's entire defense budget. And now we know we have boots on the ground there, which is something this administration is continually denied. Okay, and I want to stay there for a second because I think this is the macro, and I, I want to get your uh, opinion here. The yes. macro argument is the people don't trust their government. We historically have not trusted Congress. We don't trust the the local government, the state government, the federal government. But we've always had this belief 
that our military leadership, the Pentagon per se, is going to shoot us about as straight as they can. We're beginning to see polling now that shows the average American doesn't much believe what the Pentagon has to say about X, Y, or Z. And, and once again, am I on the right trail? You are right on target, uh, you know, as, al- as always. But this is what the American people need to stay focused. This, there tends to be a very, very consorted effort for smoke and mirrors. You know, we have a saying here in Texas, when something goes wrong at the rodeo, we send in the clowns. And that's where we are right now is we are seeing a lot of smoke and mirrors. This is extremely disturbing. It shows that pretty much everything that the American people have been told by this military, this administration, this government does not check out and released by somebody who we arguably would question had way stronger security clearance than he was ready for or able to handle. He, he handled the hardware systems for this. So this is and then Biden's official comment was it was nothing of consequence that he leaked. There is a problem all across the board on here. Well explained. Ms. Harrison, thank you for your time. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I read a lot about it over the weekend. It's still confusing, still a lot of speculation, a lot of innuendo, a lot of um, we don't know, but we suspect X, Y, or Z. I think the macro here, and we can stay here if you'd like or go back to, to the Dominion Fox News. Store. I think the macro here is how little faith people have in its government. And I don't know, and I mean this, I mean, this would be ideological and philosophical. I don't know how long you can continue on the trajectory we are if the government loses the moral authority to give uh, to give what, what a direction to the masses. But, but doesn't that make you happy? What have you been saying your mission is? Okay. If you've accomplished something be on this show. Be careful what you ask for. Correct? Right. Well, I mean, be, be very careful what you, yes. I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again, that, that, you know, I hope that I have succeeded in convincing you to be highly skeptical of your federal government. I mean, that, that is something I wake up every day inspired to do. It's not ideological. It's not philosophical. It is simply those in power have proven to not be trusted with power. That's just kind of, of where we are in America. And we can go down this, you know, American decline road. We can go down in, um, you know, a new day in America, you know, uh, the, the, the dollar losing its, its status. It, it seems to me. That, that whether I did it or not, I mean, I'm sure I played a small, small role in this, but it seems to me that the average American is highly skeptical of what his government tells it uh, or tells them at about every turn. I mean, it really and truly appears to me that, I mean, I've not moved the meter. I'm not going to pat myself on the back and say, hey, because I got up every morning and I convinced people to be skeptical about their federal government, look at where we are. No, I would never insinuate that. The government's been he- very helpful. Yeah. Uh, a 21-year-old Air National Guardsman is divulging um, top-secret information in our national defense, or in the name of our national defense, in some chat room somewhere. Um, and, and I do believe this, or it seems to me. that once again, I don't know uh, any of this to be true. It seems to me that Eric Snowden leaking was very ideologically driven. I mean, he had something uh, that he wanted to prove. There, there's a worldview that he ascribed to, and he's willing to be a martyr. And, and out of that came, you know, so some would say he's a hero. Some would say he's, a, he's a, you know, uh, uh, committed treason. I'll let you decide where you land in that. But, but this seems to be different. This seems to be uh, some young buck who wanted to be a big dog, a uh, big deal, and he, um, and he wanted to show off a little bit in one of these, these chats. But how does he get his hands on this information is beyond me. 
Um, there are some out there that believe he is a he's a um, he's a mark that some of this was was um, put in his possession intentionally so he would divulge things that the American military does not want us to know about our involvement in Ukraine. Now, now once again, that there's a lot of questions there that remain unanswered. Here's my problem with a story like this. I don't know that we ever know the truth because we're asking the government to investigate itself, in essence. I mean, you got some government oversight committee that will eventually probably put him under oath, and he'll have a lawyer, and the lawyer, you know, plead the fifth, and he won't answer these questions, won't answer those questions, but you got the, the foxes guarding the hen house, so to speak. The, the government fails, but the government investigates itself about why it truly failed. And I, I just, I've always been apprehensive in believing we could get to the bottom of anything uh, regarding that. Let's go to the phone. Dale and Florence, good morning. Okay, guys. So here's the difference to me. And Ken, you have taught me to be skeptical. Um, when, when, when I first started coming on your radio show, you guys hadn't been on very long. And, you know, I was drinking the Republican Kool-Aid and they could do no wrong. But after everything else that went on, you just have to start asking questions if you're conservative. I'll tell you this. I think that most of your Democrats and the ones that call into this show, I think they're just fine with it, with whatever a Democrat government does. Uh, they can do no wrong. And they just keep drinking the Kool-Aid and keep drinking the Kool-Aid and keep voting for people that do this stuff. I'll say stuff. And they never get past CNN and MSNBC. They never get past that. Whatever they say, the, the, you, Democrats believe and Joe Biden can do no wrong. Oh, my gosh, Joe Biden can do no wrong because he does nothing. And, and, and the people around him do nothing but wrong. It's just, I can be skeptical. I, I know a lot of conservatives that are skeptical. Can you, there's a lot of conservatives that tell conservatives you need to be skeptical of what conservative uh, government people are telling you. But the Democrats are just going to keep drinking the Kool-Aid till their eyes turn blue. You guys have a good day. Thank you, Dale. But do the Democrats believe it? I mean, that's, see, I can't answer that question. I mean, I said earlier, I give you my opinion of what I believe to be true. Now, I do 20 hours of radio a week. Every week, I run my mouth for 20 hours. Newsflash, sometimes I'm wrong. I, mean, there's no, I don't know what my batting average is. I don't have any idea how many times my opinion of what I believe to be true is, is in, alignment with, or in alignment with the truth. Do I have a, a preconception? Of course I do. I mean, I can't check everything I believe in at the door. I can't go on the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, and, and just say, hey, every political leaning or bias I've ever had, I'm going to put in that room over there, and I'm going to read this objectively. No. And, and when I read it on the Times, you know what I do? I bring that to offset what I believe the writer's trying to insinuate. I, I know the writer for the New York Times didn't graduate from Hannah Pampago. I know they're not a college dropout from a town with no stoplight. I know they bring a lot of different inclinations and proclivities to their writings. So, so it's, it's kind of a balance. I mean, I'm here reading that there. Now, 
Or are they trying to convince me that they're telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God, I, I don't know. But but I, I, I've said this 100 times, and I'll say it 101 times. I am not a truth teller. I am an interpreter of what I perceive the truth to be. And I give my opinion, and we give a phone number, and we have a debate about Dominion and Fox News and, and Teixeira and Snowden, and, and, and I think they're very helpful and therapeutic. It's cathartic for me. I mean, it, it serves me well to have these um, questions. I mean, I'm texting with two people right now uh, during the last two breaks about these issues we're talking about discussing. I just said, that, you know, your last text sounded like a Bob Dylan song. I mean, it's more confusing than you could imagine. I mean, I understand the interpretation of what the, um, you know, and that, that's the interaction we have. That's the, the back and forth. But, you know, we're, we're not, we're, we're not, what am I trying to say here? We're not pouring the foundation of a house and we know how to do it every single time because we've done it a thousand times. And we know the, you know, the toilet stub goes here and the sink stub goes there and the wiring box goes over there. No, we're, we're dealing in, in very much in the abstract. And the majority of what we discuss and talk about, I mean, there's a reason it's called debate because we can't agree. I mean, I, I just never changed my mind. I doubt I've ever changed just mine. Um, Larry didn't change my mind this morning. I doubt, seriously, I, I'd, uh, I'd change Larry's mind. We're, we're not on different planets and we're respectful of one another as we, you know, sort through these issues. But that is the only thing um, th that I think we bring to the table that very few do. Uh, an engaging debate, uh, a stimulating discourse, um, disagreeable, however it may be. You stand there, I stand here. I got to believe, I mean, Rev never said this, but I got to believe that there have been times I've said things in Rev, uh, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't know if I land there or not. Oh, perfectly sure. okay. Sure, I mean, perfectly okay. But but when we tried to talk this morning about Dominion and Fox News, there is one truth here. It doesn't matter what your interpretation, the only reason this case has seen the light of day or, or has actually made its way to a standing with jury is there's a lost profits damages issue here. It's not about who lied about whom. It is about who lied about whom, but, but it's called defamation. Um, you know, the Democrats lie about the Republicans. The Republicans lie about the, uh, the Democrats. The Democrats and Republicans lie to you about the debt. The Democrats and Republicans lie to you about Social Security and, and Medicare. Now, you're, you're fairly gullible. If not, we wouldn't vote the same people back in office, you know, 94% or 96% of the time. But, but this is a different issue. And, and the reason I brought it up this morning is because there has been a, uh, in the modern media era, there's been a way we deal with defamation. And, and this could change the game. And I got to believe that as much as CBS, ABC, NBC would like to take Fox out of the equation, they love to see their brand significantly damaged. They know they could be next. And you got to be careful about allowing people on to, to not say things that aren't true. Uh, Larry's exactly right. That's going to happen today. I mean, it's happening right now. Is our TV on? Okay, it's on Fox. Somebody before we leave the air will say something that's not true. But are they saying it intentionally, or are they saying it because their opinion of what they believe to yeah, be true? They believe it. Sure, that's exactly right. Um, you believe the Braves are better this year than they were. Mm -hmm. you, you don't know that. You believe the Braves upgraded at first base. Rev doesn't like me to say that, but he knows it's true, <laughs> right? No, I readily admit it. Rev was so distraught when Freddie Freeman left to go to the Dodgers. That's true. And I told Rev, I said, Rev, I'm telling the guy they're getting better, and he's younger. 
And then about a week ago, Ref comes in and says, he is. He's better. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's younger. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not missing Freddie at all. <laughs> he's better. I love Freddie. He's but... I love Freddie and wish Freddie well. But yep. the guy they got now is better and he's younger. Uh, paid him a lot of money. You should pay a guy a lot of money yeah. to do what he's Olsen great. does. But um, but but who's better? Who's a better first baseman, Olsen or Freeman? I mean, if you ask Dodger fans, they'd say, hey, Freeman. If you ask Braves fans, they would say Olsen. But but there, there's a there's a financial component to this debate that is not normally in the equation. And we'll find out. I mean, will Fox News settle out of court? I predict they will. But, but you know, Rev, when you settle out of court, it doesn't mean you're guilty. I mean, the Fox News is say, not saying, hey, we accept guilt. They're saying instead of going through the muck of trusting a $1.6 billion verdict to a jury that may not care much for what Fox News does. See, that's another interesting part of this. How many jurors watch Fox News? How many jurors are conservative? How many jurors will tell you what they think of Fox News? How many jurors will keep that to themselves? <laughs> and ultimately, how many jurors don't like Donald Trump? Well, I mean, you're right. And don't like Sidney Powell and don't like Rudy Giuliani? A lot. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to believe a lot of jurors or potential jurors don't like Sidney Powell, don't like um, Rudy Giuliani, don't like Donald Trump. Now, I will say this. I don't know. Now, I, I think I do know. We would not, if somebody called here tomorrow and said, hey, I've got this issue with state government. I've got this issue with local government. And I want to um, I want to come on the show. And I want to talk about the issue I have. Um, we would have to vet that. I mean, you, you, you can't let someone knowingly. I mean, I, I can't. I mean, I'm not saying you can't. I can't. I, if, if somebody sits down with me and says, hey, I've got this issue with state government. Or I've got this issue with a local government. And they explained the issue to me. And I said, look, your issue's not with the local government. They can't do anything about that. But, but they still wanted to come on. And let's say they bought an ad package. And as part of buying the ad package, Reb, they paid for a 10-minute interview to come on the show. I mean, I think I'm principled enough to say, hey, man. I mean, I tell the sales manager, I'm not going to do that. I mean, you, they can run ads like they want to. But I'm not going to sit down and interview somebody who is willingly and knowingly saying something they know to be untrue. I mean, I think there's got to be some line in the sand there. Now, now Fox may find out the hard way where that line is. And I would imagine that CNN is very interested in what is going to be found out. MSNBC is going to be extremely interested in what is found out. I mean, I went back last night and tried to read some of the other cases. And there's some cases out there. I mean, you've got um, uh, got about six or eight cases that have... um. Uh, ABC News made it to trial. Well, here you go. Six years ago, a closely watched defamation case against ABC News made it to trial, but was settled before jurors had a chance to weigh in. Network parent Walt Disney Company paid an undisclosed amount to resolve defamation claims by Beef Products Incorporated over a 2012 series of stories the network aired about its processed meat product, which critics had called pink slime. A Disney financial disclosure suggested the company paid at least $177 million to end the case. So there you go. Now, here, here's another story. Last year, federal judge rejected Sarah Palin's allegations that she was defamed by New York Times editorial, ruling that the former Republican vice presidential candidate's claims presented at trial were insufficient to prove her case. Why? No lost profits damages. The beef company could say, hey, man, I mean, you, you reported some things that weren't true, and we took a huge financial hit. As a result of that, as I've always said, you ready? It's Monday morning, 745. Money's the answer. What's the question? <laughs> right. Back in a few. 843-661-0937 is our number. Someone's on the phone. Let's go there. David in the PD. Hello, David. 
Hey, good morning. Hey, uh, whenever can y'all mention the name Sidney Powell? Remember that term she used? They were going to release the Kraken. You guys remember that? I do remember yeah. that. Yeah. And see, Ken, here's what I like about your show. When I say H E McCracken, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? I think I do. That's that high school down there in Bluffton mm-hmm. back in the day. Play two mm-hmm. A football. I guarantee you, old Tucker and Sean, they don't know about that. And see, the media is furnishing this case. They're calling them the Fox News stars. The Fox, this is the case against the Fox News stars. You guys remember Nick Sandman? I do. Oh yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, didn't he get some money off of CNN? Didn't they have to? go to some sort of settlement an undisclosed settlement i think right mm-hmm. absolutely so well i'm gonna change the subject real quick and i saw brian kemp uh on tv this weekend he's talking about we go, we need to look ahead so and he says that we're better at most most of the issues but i think about when i think about democrats they stick to these things they keep talking about this abortion pill that's a big thing for them uh, and like I said, they had a lady came on last weekend, said the Democrat Party is young, black, brown, and female. Well, that sounds like an ad in the Carolina Trader. I mean, that's how sad it is. They got nothing better to run on and stuff like that. But when it comes to this ballot harvesting, I think I heard somebody say, yeah, we need to get a bunch of volunteers to go up to these states and this and that. That's not going to work, my man. Uh, does George Soros and the Facebook man do that? No, they pay mules. To their work, so we got to be ready to be able to get people to go up there, and you got to be willing to uh, finance that whole uh, expedition up front uh, to get down in the in the trenches with these folks. So unless we're ready to do that, we might have the Democrats might uh, elect a glass of water, like uh, Nancy Pelosi said back in the day. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Well, I mean, if you think about it, we 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 touched on it earlier. The Republicans have a pretty clear advantage on the issues. And I'm talking about the daily issues. We don't talk about abortion every day. I mean, we, you know, very few people have an abortion. I mean, in all honesty, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, it's enough to matter. Don't get me wrong. And the millions of babies we've killed, I think eventually God will hold us accountable. Maybe that's part of the, uh, you know, you call me crazy all you like, but maybe some of American decline is um, you know, God's judgment, God's wrath. I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. I believe there's a, a God in heaven in control of every facet of our universe. So if we are dishonoring God by allowing that many unborn babies to be killed in the name of government intervention, um, these, uh, uh, what did Victor David Ham? I mean, he says things so well, uniparty functionaries. There you go. That's what he referred. I mean, uh, Victor David Hanson wrote something a few weeks back about these uniparty functionaries have embedded themselves in every boardroom. I mean, some of the radical ideologies in, in, uh, in classrooms and boardrooms and government agencies in newsrooms. And I just thought that was so well said. The uniparty functionaries that, um, that really don't ascribe to a liberal worldview or a conservative worldview, but rather the government's in control. The government has to be in control. And, um, you know, the revisionist history not understanding what our history is about, um, so some of the um, some of the previous reasoned arguments would be hissy fits and tantrums uh, to get your way or not get or, or not allow the others to get their way. But when you look at the the issues, I mean, the, the Republicans have a pretty good uh, I don't want to say lead, but but in the polling they do. I mean, they're in the economy forty one twenty nine. I mean, that's a twelve percentage point lead. 
That's a big deal. I mean, the economy is something that we interact with every second of every day. You're going to make an economic transaction before this show goes off. I mean, all of us do over and over and over again. So on the matters relating to the economy, the Republicans are plus 12. Pretty big lead. Immigration plus 10. Uh, Policing plus 12. Government spending plus 9. Parental rights in classrooms only plus 3. We're pretty divided about what sort of education our kids um, should receive or should uh, should be afforded an opportunity. Now, and then you get on some of the um, on some of the other issues. World affairs, the Republicans only plus three. Freedom of speech, the Republicans only plus two. Um, Democrats have the advantage on the majority of social issues, cultural issues, 36-33. And then abortion, I mean, the, the Republicans are as behind on abortion as the Democrats are on um, the economy, immigration, crime, and policing. And, and I, you know, I, I think in 2022 we found out the hard way that there's an abortion vote out there. I mean, there's absolutely an abortion. Abortion has been wrapped as a political issue, denying a woman a right to make a choice about her health and well-being. I don't buy that. I mean, I'm not in that camp. But the Democrats have done a good job of arguing that's the decision a woman should be allowed to make on her own volition. Um, the nationalization of, of, um, of abortion legislation. Remember when Lindsey Graham came out and said that we should have a national policy. I mean, I think it's honorable what Lindsey's trying to do, trying to stop babies from getting killed. But we for decades said we want this, um, we want this federal legislation to be done away with and we want states to have the ability to make a decision on what is best for Utah, what is best for South Carolina, what is best for Nevada, New York, and it's going to be different. It's going to be rem- there's going to be more abortions in New York than ever. There's going to be more abortions in California than ever. I mean, uh, Roe v. Wade gets overturned. California is going to have a more liberal abortion law. New York is going to have a more liberal abortion law. Babies are going to die senselessly and needlessly in some of those in some of those states. But we live in a, a democracy, a representative republic, and people have a right to elect leaders who choose to do those things. So I mean. It's just hard for me to believe that if we don't, I mean, if if the Republicans can match the intensity of the infrastructure, and by that I mean vote uh, voter registration, ballot harvesting, and I've still not had uh, a Republican leader convince me that we're up to snuff. I mean, we're doing better. I mean, I hear that a lot. We're doing better. We made a new commitment too. What does that mean? I mean, if it, how many how many unsolicited mail-in ballots are we going to be able to to um to drum up in in Philadelphia in Maricopa County? That's all I want to know, because Rev, once again, if the Republicans are up ten on the economy, up excuse me, up twelve on the economy, up ten on immigration, up uh, twelve on crime and policing, up nine on government spending, up three on uh, parents' rights and education, you, you don't lose those races, but we did. I mean, we didn't lose the races, but we underperformed in 2022 because, once again, we believed that because we had a stronger hand to play on the economy, a stronger hand to play on immigration, a stronger hand to play on crime and policing, that the the virtues of elections would carry the day. And that's just not where we are today. Elections post-COVID are uniquely different than they've ever been in American history, and you better figure out a way to not just be – 
not not just have a better plea to the people about immigration or policing or, or spending or, or or the economy. You better know where those people are who don't vote. You better get a ballot in their hands, and you better get it harvested, and you better get it in a, in a Dominion machine, and you better <laughs> you better hope that Dominion machine counts in the way it's supposed to be counted. I mean, that's just that, that's hope. Is that the bet? Hope it counts. Well, I mean, it I'm, just, I'm, I'm sarcastically referring to the the case between <laughs> Dominion and uh, and Fox News. I don't have any idea. I could not begin to tell you how to inspect a voting machine as to whether it is um legit or not. Uh, you don't know. Uh, no. Nobody listened to my voice. Uh, there may be a software programmer out there somewhere that could give a better idea, obviously, uh, that, than I could give. But we live in, and when we talk to Drew McKissick on Thursday mornings, I mean, Drew is very, very forceful in saying we've got to address these issues that have changed the way elections are won. I'm just not sure we have. I mean, where, where's our billion dollars on the sideline? I mean, the Democrats have one point two billion dollars ready to engage in about six or seven swing states i mean we'll find out later this year where they deploy where they invest but they've got about a billion two hundred million dollars waiting ready to roll ready to go to maricopa county ready to go to philadelphia ready to go to pittsburgh ready to go to atlanta ready to go to gwinnett ready to go to chicago well illinois is going to real red anyway i'm ready to go to detroit ready to go to um uh, Green Bay or, or wherever in uh, Milwaukee. There you go, Milwaukee in, uh, in Wisconsin. Every swing state. And they've got a game plan. And they're looking at immigration. And i got to believe there's some Democrat operative saying, nah, yeah, we're behind on the economy. We're behind on immigration. We're behind on crime and policing. We're behind on government spending. We're behind on education. But but we've got that $1.2 billion ready to be deployed. And it doesn't matter what, what the polls say about the economy. It doesn't matter what the polls say about immigration. I mean, in the macro, it does. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But but the reality is elections are about numbers. I mean, how many people vote for this candidate or or another? And the trouble the, the, the Republicans have, I mean, it's the Trump factor. And the Republicans have still not figured out a way around this, and myself included. Current company uh, says that he's with everybody else. If... If Trump runs and wins, which is more likely than not, what do the eight or nine percent suburban women come to mind? Uh, white educated voters in metropolitan areas. Some of the uh, thick pen refers to as the silver stockings districts. I mean, they stayed home in the last election. I mean, if there's 1.2 billion to be deployed in the name of Democrats winning, everybody remotely identifying as a Republican has to show up. I mean, think about Biden getting 81 million. So Trump gets 75 million. How do you get Trump to 82 million? I mean, where are the other 7 million? He went from 60, what, 2 or 3 million to 75 million. And Biden got 81 million. I mean, where, where do we find seven, eight more million votes? I mean, that's, that's unbelievably complicated moving forward. Um, and you got the Lincoln Project, you got the establishment, you, you got some of these um, uniparty functionaries that Victor David Hanson <laughs> refers to that you know are working the boardrooms, working the classrooms, working the newsroom in opposition to the America First agenda. And the, the reason they're working against the America First agenda is what Bree said earlier. It's an empowerment 
of the regular person. It's an empowerment of the working man, the working woman. Uh, you know, is it? I don't know. But but that's what it's interpreted as. And really, it's not 7 million votes. It's a few hundred thousand in a few swing states and counties, right? It, it is. But think about Joe Biden getting, I mean, you got to be impressed with that, guys. <laughs> Joe Biden was, was one of the worst candidates in the history of presidential elections. Nobody can deny that. I mean, I'm arguing he's the worst president of my lifetime. He was the worst presidential candidate. Dukakis may have been worse. Remember the goofball wore the army helmet or whatever? Oh, yeah. Uh, and looked like a, just looked like Alfred from Mad Magazine with a big <laughs> helmet on his head. I remember I mean, it well. Looked, and, and people said, I ain't voting for a guy like that to be president. Well, I mean, we did because Biden's probably in worse um, cognitive state than, than Dukakis ever was. But the son of a gun got 81 million votes. I mean, we can debate how he got 81 million, but let, let's say this. Let's say the Democrats did. Um, let's say the Zuckerberg funds were intended to do exactly what they did to win the election. Do you think they're not going to do it again? I mean, do you think that was a one-off? There's 1.2 billion ready to roll, ready to be deployed. You know they're getting At ready. the drop of it, yeah. So, so the Trump number or the DeSantis number or the Scott number or the Haley number has to be, what, 82 or 3 million? I mean, how do you get 82 or 3 million uh, by, by leading on immigration? And, and I'm, I'm afraid that's what Republicans are doing. I think the modern Republican believes that I think they're sitting in a boardroom somewhere. And I think they're saying, we're up 12 on the economy. We're up 10 on immigration. We're up 12 on crime and policing. This will kind of take care of itself. And I think the Democrats are saying, hey, we're behind on economy. We're behind on immigration. We're behind on crime and policing. But we know what we can get out of Maricopa County. We know exactly what um, it costs to win uh, or, or to get 250,000 more votes out of Philadelphia. But I mean, they've got a spreadsheet. And it probably doesn't have economy, immigration, trade, foreign policy. It's probably got um, designation of dollars and how much allocation it takes to win Gwinnett County. That's why I said a while back that if I were Trump or DeSantis, whichever one wins the nomination, there's only one person I look at as a VP candidate, and it's Brian Kemp. I mean, Kemp is my guy. I try to rationalize that to someone uh, toward the end of last week, and they didn't agree to begin with. And then we finally talked to her. They're like, okay, I get it now. I, you need Georgia. Well, I mean, the South is on lockdown. I mean, if Kemp's your VP, the South, Kemp has an extensive infrastructure in Georgia. I mean, he's built a machine in Georgia. Herschel loses. Kemp wins by what, nine or 10? I mean, to beat Stacey Abrams handedly. So he's got an infrastructure in Georgia. They know where the bodies lie, they know how to win a statewide race in Georgia. So what you do is you just hire Kemp's team and you say, okay, we, we may not have $1.2 billion, but we're not wasting a lot of money in Georgia. I mean, we're going to, we're going to uh, Pennsylvania. We're going to Wisconsin. We're going to Michigan. We're going to uh, Nevada and we're going to Arizona. Those are the only States we're competing in. That's the strategy as far as I'm concerned. And if you have to fight in Georgia, you dilute you dilute what you're trying to get done in Philadelphia or Pennsylvania. It's really Philadelphia. What you're trying to get done in um in in Arizona and Nevada. And I just think the more you can focus on those those four states, the more likely it is the Republicans win uh, the twenty twenty four presidential election. But didn't Kemp make some comments recently about moving on from Trump? Well, I mean yes, but I mean he said he not want to be vice president. <laughs> you're going to say things that, that ruffle feathers. I mean, that's the nature of politics. Um 
you, you can't bite your tongue. And, and, and Kemp probably means it. Kemp probably believes we're better off moving along or moving away from Trump. But, but if Trump were to win the primary and reach out to Kemp and say, hey, will you be my VP? I mean, he's got to do that. Now, now I'll, I will say this, and I think this is kind of interesting. There's a dream team notion out there. You've said it, and I've heard others say it. Mm-hmm. DeSantis would be a moron to hook his wagon to Trump right now. Really? Yes. I mean, it cuts Explain. Two, I mean, DeSantis has a long political career ahead of him. And, and to, to, to get so involved with a guy that is at the end of the run, I mean, it may win, I mean, he may win the nomination, may win the presidency. But where does DeSantis go after that? And I, I just think, this, I mean, if I were giving DeSantis advice, he would be the one guy that should probably tell Trump no. But so if they team up and they win the presidency, then, I mean, isn't DeSantis the guy in 28? How many times do you say if? Well, there, there's a lot of ifs. Okay. And I think life's a calculus. I mean, you would agree to that. And, and if he says no and Trump wins the presidency... He's still got a political livelihood ahead of him. I mean, okay. he's still he's got a lot of um he's got a lot of runway. Kemp is a different animal. I think Kemp, I mean Kemp's a governor of a southern state. Kemp's hadn't built this national brand, and then Kemp's already see. And I think this is where it's important. Kemp has already showed a willingness to buck Trump, to stand against Trump. So if Trump reaches out to Kemp, then Trump looks like the bigger man. Hey, I know Brian Kemp has said things about me, and I know we didn't see the Georgia. 2020 presidential election the same way but but this is about republicans winning and i think i think i, I don't think it's a question i think kemp is easily easily the best guy to ask to be your vp now the national appeal of tim scott the national appeal of nikki haley the i get it i mean that that's an emotional buy-in that 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 you know wow look at that donald trump and tim scott who'd have ever thunk it but I still believe this campaign is not about immigration. It's not about emotion. It, it's campaigns today, whether we like it or not, have turned into turnout methodologies and machines. Who can turn out the vote? And I'm not sure there's any way to do it except put Georgia in the win column, spend every penny you've got in Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin and Arizona and Nevada, and, and hope for the best. You're not going to match the turnout machine the Democrats have already built. I mean, they jumped the gun. They normalized COVID. That's the way they want election to be conducted now. And 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 Tim Scott just does not bring that. I mean, he brings a lot of intrigue, no question about it. Here's the um, here's the guy everybody said was the biggest racist in the history of mankind, picking an African American as his running mate. I get the the photo op. I get the the storyline. I still believe this campaign is about infrastructure. Private financing of campaigns, ballot harvesting, un- unsolicited mail-in ballots. Let's put Georgia in the W column. Let's lock Georgia down, and then let's go cheat with the best of them in uh, in Pennsylvania, cheat with the best of them in Wisconsin, cheat with the best of them in Arizona, and cheat with the best of them in Nevada. That's the I mean, if I were running the the RNC, that would be my my strategy. But nobody from the RNC asked little old me, what he thinks about <laughs> presidential campaigns and the way they should be conducted. Take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. You know, I don't know if there's a political designation called intellectual Christian conservative, but Mike Sabo at the American Mind does about as good a job as any I've read at um, encapsulating or, or explaining where we are as it relates to your Christian faith, um, the, um, the ruling class, 
the amount of legislation and laws and uh, some of the uniparty uh, entrenchment and how he basically what Sabo is arguing, Rev, is we're all going to be radicalized at one moment or time. You will, I will. I mean, I've already been. I mean, I know I'm a radical. I mean, there, and I, I didn't grow up like this. I mean, I know I didn't. I mean, I was a uh, didn't register vote lost forty. Um, got in politics. Was very pragmatic, very um, sympathetic to the other side. I was a business person. I said, "Hey, man, we got to get to a better place. I got to give in." And all of a sudden, in the last, well, I mean, so really since Obama, the the second term of Barack Obama was when I realized we're dealing with something uniquely different. I mean, there, there's an attempt here to transform America into something different. Now, now a lot of disagreement on transform into exactly what a European welfare state. You know, I, I don't know, but but there's there will be. I mean, if you've got any blood in your veins, any gumption in your soul, there will be a moment that everybody will be forced to decide whether there there there's going to be a radicalization of their political beliefs and ideologies. This happened to me. Uh, it makes me uncomfortable at times. I mean, it does. I say things on this radio show that make me uncomfortable, make you uncomfortable at times, uh, but because we're challenging authority. And John Mellencamp wrote a song, I Fight Authority and Authority Always Wins. I can certainly relate to that. But Mike Sabo of the American Mind is arguing that, that the, the left and the, and the bureaucratic entrenchment is going to force all of us who see the world in similar fashion to have a moment that we accept that we're far more radical than we ever thought we would be, and the radicalization is necessary if we're going to get the kind of the um the course corrected, so to speak. Let's go to the phone, Jim and Florence. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. So the the president and vice president can't come from the same state. So um, DeSantis clearly isn't going to move out of Florida. So if Trump moves out of Florida, you kind of know what the deal is. Um, so that's a good precursor to uh, what actually may happen, but. Ken, jump to the Bud Light deal real quick. Um, we need to keep it up. Uh, the liberals, you know, Jeff's going to tell you, oh, well, you know, Coors is doing it, and all these other beer companies are doing it, so it's fruitless. It's, it, you know, what are you going to do, stop drinking beer altogether? And, but the thing is, guys, is we've got to pick them off one at a time. Um, they're going to tell you conservative uh, right-side boycotts don't work. Um, I, I could argue I, that – the NFL boycott actually did work. I mean, I don't think Colin Kaepernick's really on a, a field anymore. You don't see a whole lot of kneeling anymore. Um, so I think that did work. Um, but one last thing, Ken. Dominion not wanting to argue damages tells me Dominion doesn't want this to go to trial. So why is that? Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. I mean, that, that's play the conspiracy theory out to the end. That they, you know, Dominion believes that if they go to trial, they'll have to reveal documentation or information that may support the other side's claim that the the machines were indeed shortwired or programmed. Some of the software was programmed to disproportionately count, um, you know, uh, Democrat ballots as opposed to. But I mean, that that's a big leap. Now, now I will say this: it's interesting to me that in the in the original 2021 lawsuit, Dominion sought, and here we go, lost profits damages of not less than $600 million. In the most recent April 14 email from Dominion to Fox and some of these, what was it called, interrogatories, you know, where they argue within and try to come to some sort of um, resolution. I think the judge lets some of that happen. But in the most recent um, April 14 email, they said 
that they are not going to present a jury with claims for alleged lost profits. That's interesting to me. Now, now what it means, I would be totally speculative if I said what it means. But, but from what I read last night of the Wall Street Journal, Fox's lawyers have interpreted that to mean, let, let's settle this. You know, we're going to have a hard time proving that we lost $600 million. I mean, I don't, what, 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 is, what is the annual sales of Dominion voting machines? I don't know. I don't have any idea. Um, but, but to prove that they've taken a 600 or not less than 600 million, I mean, they're suing for 1.6 billion and there, there's some, you know, uh, incidental damages here. And I mean, I don't want to get a legal speak cause I don't under understand that, but, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you think about it, I mean, if you play it out all the way to the end and, and you say, okay, dominion said not less than 600 million, but now they're saying that they're not going to make an argument or a claim to a jury, you kind of scratch your head and say, wow. But if you think you can prove a number, then why wouldn't you try to convince the jury of your number? Let's go to the phone. Charles in Lamar. Good morning. I find it pretty interesting that you're talking about radicals, but you took somebody else's call before mine. I was I was uh, radicalized beginning on January 20th, 2009. I'm sure you understand um, what I mean there. Uh, Trump did not lose the 2020 election by 7 million votes. He lost the 2020 election by about 44,000 votes because that is the number of votes by which he won Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia. Uh, had he won those four states, he would have won the Electoral College and therefore won the election. And we all know that there were hundreds of thousands of votes in those four states, which were counted about 3 o'clock in the morning. So it is entirely possible for Republicans to win in 2024. But what needs to happen is all the effort needs to be concentrated in those four states. And I think it'll happen. And it can happen, regardless of whether it's DeSantis or Trump or, uh, you know, or whoever. But, uh, but those are my thoughts. Y'all have a great day. Thank you, Charles. Appreciate that. 843-661-0937. Stay, stay there for a second. Because I sense, don't know this, but I sense that the leadership in the Republican National Committee, and I'll talk to Drew about this Thursday morning, are convinced that as long as we're on the good side of the economy, and I'm talking about plus 12, um, Immigration, plus 10. Crime and policing, plus 12. Government spending, plus 9. Parental rights and education, plus 3. Um, those are good numbers. I mean, those are solid numbers. Whether, I mean, I, I get what Charles is saying. He didn't lose the election by 6 million votes. He lost the election by a slim margin in three swing states. Fair enough. Electoral college is the way we elect presidents in America. Um, it's a weighted system. Some like it, some don't like it, but it is what it is. Here's the point I'm making, guys. The Democrats took an 80-year-old man with dementia and put 81 million votes on the book. That's damn impressive. They took an 80-year-old man in significant cognitive decline who they basically hid from any sort of campaigning and they figured out a way to put on the books 81 million votes. Now, you may believe that immigration and, and crime and policing 
and and the the economy. You may believe that some of those age old standard bears of how you win elections. I mean, I, I've even had to revisit the two numbers that I've always trusted in: right track, wrong track, president's approval rating. I mean, what did Robert Cahaley say about the poll? We don't know how to poll now. I mean, we we you know we're lost. Historically, we have had um, those who voted in three of the last four Republican primaries, those who have voted in four of the last four general elections, those who have voted Democrat 80% of the time, those who have voted Republican. I mean, th- th- there were some tried and truisms here, and I think COVID changed that. Yeah, the new rules and likely voters. And, and we don't understand the new rules, but, but I think the Democrats are forcing the issue. Once again, I think Charles can be right. I think he is exactly right when he says 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 votes. But, but from a macro, uh, in, in a 50-state campaign, the Democrats put 81 million votes on the book in support of an 80-year-old man who couldn't get out of his own way, who did very minimal campaigning, what was not a very impressive person. He's never been a very impressive person. That's strong, guys. I mean, whether you like it or not, I mean, if you've ever run for office, if you understand the math and the, um, the, the infrastructure of American politics, and I just hope we understand, instead of immigration, it's ballot harvesting. Instead of crime and policing, it's uh, unsolicited mail-in ballots. Instead of the economy, it is private financing of campaigns. That's where we are. The Democrats, have, I mean, they have failed to win the hearts and minds of the voters. So they win the hearts and minds of the non-voters. I mean, that's in essence what they've done. The engaged voter, I mean, the Republicans probably did fairly well. I mean, we're, we're, we're a leftist-leaning nation now. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious when 58% of one party's voters would rather see socialism over capitalism. I mean, it's hard to argue this is your grandfather's USA. I mean, it, it, is, a, it is a leftist drifting nation without question. But but we're still in a good place on some of the on some of the core issues. If you combine that good place with the core issues, that that generates the Republican turnout. But we got to go find people that don't vote. But I mean, that's what the Democrats did better than anybody ever has in the history of American elections. Take a break. Back in a few. Takes Mondays to make Fridays. Eight four three six six one zero nine three seven. Man, the first hour this morning was a struggle. I didn't wait until nine to drink my Celsius. I drank it at seven. About 7.40 this morning, uh, just to try to get going. Uh, not a hard weekend, but a hot weekend. <laughs> and uh, one of the first weekends. A, a weekend. Yeah, a weekend. You're right. Yeah, so transitioning morning, into work on Monday. Monday morning is Monday morning and is Monday a, morning. A lot of people were on spring break. Of course, we were here working tirelessly last week, but a lot of people in the area were on spring break, and they were off vacationing. And I imagine it was even harder for those folks to get going. Everybody's renting a golf cart. I noticed that this week at the beach, everybody's renting a golf cart. Um, there can't be anybody left in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I don't know how there's anybody left in uh, in Cleveland or Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Seems like all those people. Uh, that's my annual, excuse me, my weekly rant about the northern invasion. Okay, let, let's go down this road. You ready? I mean, this would be a um, this would be a hypothetical exercise. Well, not theoretical exercise. Be a better way to explain it. If there are more of us becoming radicalized, then aren't we less radical? And I'm talking about the radicals. I'm not talking about the nation in, in totality. But in other words, if um, let's say prior to Barack Obama getting elected and self-proclaiming the transformation of America, which is what he said, 
I want to transform America into something um, uniquely better than what it is historically been. So if some of us were radicalized, not overnight, um, but, but over a period of time, you realize that your worldview, your way of life is under attack. So you get a little radical in defending your, your, your worldview, your, your ideas, your principles, your values. You're not forcing them on anybody, but, but you, you're tired of them being attacked. And all of a sudden you say, wow, dude, I'm, I'm pushing back a little bit. Well, if they're, if by that, if the nature of that creates more radicals, then, then I'm less radicalized. I'm more mainstream, right? I mean, if 1% of the country are radicals, then, then I'm pretty radical. But if 15% of the country have been radicalized, then I'm less radical. I'm more the mainstream. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot more of us now. So apparently my thoughts, my, my precepts, my, my, my beliefs aren't that, they're under attack, but they aren't that different. So, so here's where I land. And this gets, I mean, this is, I'm theorizing now. So bear with me for a second. There's always been political disagreements on the, the, the ideals of America. You, you and I would agree far more than we disagree, Rev, but, but on, the, on the procedural and political agreements and disagreements that define who America is, what it stands for, um, the, the American ideals. I mean, we, we would disagree there, but, but we're in the middle now, and this is my point, and I don't know that people agree with me or not, but I think that the, the, the elections are turning into less about political and procedural disagreements and more about this fundamental social conflict that that there are people in our nation who consider me to be the enemy. Um, you know, the um, the oligarchs who prefer working with the Chinese communist government than playing the all-star game in Atlanta. I mean, they, they find not just disdain for their fellow countrymen, they attack their fellow countrymen. They're punitive by nature, the oligarchs, and I'm talking about, let, let's use J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs as an example. I mean, do you believe that J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs are interested in the American ideals or staying in charge of where the country is headed? And and that, that's so, so I believe that, and I'm big on these macros. I mean, the macros, the micros, I mean, they concern me. They alarm me. I get caught up in them for a moment or two. But I believe that we're, we've left the realm a political and procedural disagreement about the American ideal. And it's more about a fundamental social conflict now. And that radicalizes people and, and people who believe in, in certain things. And once again, the, and, and I mean, it, it, I think it's pretty rich for America to say a Russian oligarch or a Chinese oligarch. What is Goldman Sachs? What is BlackRock? I mean, in all honesty, what, what is the difference in a Russian oligarch and BlackRock? A Russian oligarch and Goldman Sachs, a Russian oligarch and J.P. Morgan, and the majority of Americans, and I'm talking about the America Firsters, they want to run their country for its own good. In other words, the the, the, the idea, the concept of America first, and, and we don't agree on everything, Red. We disagree on immigration. We disagree on taxes. We disagree on a lot of things, but but... But the preserving the American way of life and the American ideal are central to why we engage. Uh, why don't we move off to Wyoming and just wash our hands of it? Because we believe in something. We believe in this ideal of America, and we're willing to accept 
some of the political and procedural disagreements it's worth fighting that go for. along. But all of a sudden, instead of a political disagreement, we got a fundamental social conflict. I'm under attack. I mean, my way of life is under attack. I don't give a rat's whatever anybody says. I mean, I sense and feel and believe with all my heart that Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, Blackstone, BlackRock, the, the, these, these American oligarchs that have gained such favor with the American government, they would much rather do business with communist China than they had a fellow countryman who ascribes to the notions, uh, uh, you know, the, the um, uh, and I'm talking about rural America, I'm talking about the law of the country, I'm talking about the, because when people say, people ask me all the time, why the disdain for the Trump voter? What, what is the Trump voter? You know, what, what, what does the Trump voter stand for that these people find so distasteful? And that's it. I mean, you know, the Trump voter has kind of uh, in unison agreed that we're not in a procedural or political disagreement, but rather a social conflict. Our way of life is under attack. And Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan and Blackstone and BlackRock, they'd rather do business with communist Chinese oligarchs, I mean, one oligarch and another, than they had, you know, looking after the existence of a nation. Because once again, why does a political party exist? To advance an, uh, an oligarchy or to preserve a way of life that some people have a con- kind of a consensus around. And, and I mean, that, once again, that gets to the weeds. And then it gets real loosey-goosey as you try to develop and move forward. But, but that's, I mean, that, that's what I believe. I mean, I, I believe that today in America, we're dealing with a fundamental social conflict and, and our whole way of life is under attack. And I think the reason, I mean, I, you know, follow the money. I've always said that, follow the money. America first is not good for oligarchs. America first is not good for, um, you know, the financialization of our economy. America first is not good for um, foreign trade. America first is not good for intervention. America first is basically a a, a bunch of Americans who want to run the country for its own good. And intervention very often is not in its own good. But you know what's good for? The oligarchs and the defense industrial or the, the industrial military complex, right? Foreign trade. Is not real good for the average American, but you know what it is good for? Corporate America. So, so in essence, I mean, think about it. MLB is a big business. MLB decided we're not doing business with Georgia because they support Trump. And, you know, um, they, they, they want to restrict. What they wanted to do was make you identify yourself as who you were before you could cast a ballot. But Major League Baseball has no problem at all dealing with communist China. Killing Uyghurs. And, and all the human rights issues that go along. But, you know, oligarchs tend to run together. And MLB would be somewhat. I'm just saying, when you've gained that degree of favor and influence with your government, it's pretty rich to say other countries are oligarchies. <laughs> Let, let's go to the phone. Harry in Florence. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, Harry. How are you? I just had an observation, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this at. It, when you sit around in public and start discussing politics with people who you have no idea who they are, it takes all of about a minute to figure out whether they're on the D or the R side, because ultimately they're Democrats. They always say, let's don't talk, talk politics. And I came to a realization that they cannot defend themselves or the, excuse me, the democratic policies in public. Whereas most of us can sit around and discuss why we believe and vote certain ways, but 99% of the time the Democrats will just flat out say, I don't want to talk politics. And to this day, I don't understand it. 
Thank you, Harry. Appreciate that. I mean, I, you know, I, I think if you're going to develop a worldview and you take that worldview seriously, you owe it to yourself. You don't owe it to me, but you owe it to yourself to understand why you uh, why, why you hold on to that. Why is that important to you? Why do you base some of your fundamental beliefs in government on that? And, you know, I mean, th- I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I was 40 before I registered to vote. So it's obvious for a long period of time I didn't take that seriously. But once I did, um, I, I, I became a believer in I'm obligated now to understand why it is I believe what I believe about politics. But, but I want to reiterate, it's good to have these political and procedural disagreements. I mean, it's healthy. It helps us get to a better place. When, when I don't have a right to, to self-proclaim I know what the American ideal is or the American principle or the American value. I mean, let, let me write this thesis. Let me write a thousand-word thesis on the American ideal. And everybody's got to abide by exactly what I said the American ideal is. No, but, but we're, we're not doing that anymore, Rep. We're in a fundamental social conflict. And if you are one of the America firsters who believe that, you know, America is to be obligated to its own constituency for their own good, their own preservation, their own benefit, it contradicts what oligarchs are. And, and I do believe that J.P. Morgan's an oligarch. I think the Black Rock's an oligarch. Uh, I saw Larry Fink on television over the weekend on CNBC talking about, you know, um, the, the, the social awakening happening in boardrooms around America today. Um, that, that's fancy schmancy language for getting in bed with government. You know, the, um, the equity and inclusion, uh, what it was, diversity, and then they got the ESG score. But they got so many ways they socially score you know, your company or not, it's not fiduciary any longer. It's fiduciary combined with that this social well-being or social awareness. And and for me, all, all, all I want is my government to do right by its people. At the end of the day, I want my government to do right. I, I want, you know, I don't want my way. I mean, that's unfair. I don't deserve to have my way. But But Americans, to me, want the country to serve whom? its own people, its own preservation, its own principles, its own values, its own ideals. And I still go back to Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball said, thank you, no thank you to the state of Georgia, but they are perfectly comfortable dealing with the Chinese Communist Party um, who are, you know, Nike factory after Nike factory after Nike factory, child labor laws and human rights issues. No problem at all with that because that keeps their trains running on time. And I do believe this. When I say there's a fundamental social conflict, it's us versus the oligarchs. And the oligarchs have all the money. The oligarchs have all the political influence. And aren't they threatened by we the people exercising our power? That's America first. That's why no um, CEO votes America first. No no corporation is in. I mean, once Trump became a serious candidate, they kind of hedged their bets. I mean, they got to play it both ways. And but but yeah, I mean you know, and, and Trump is simply a manifestation. I've said this of um of this this this, this social con. It's really a manifestation of the, the 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 radicalization of the masses. You may not identify as a radical, but if you voted for Trump, that there's something a little unique inside. And 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 I think you maybe subconsciously, maybe not. You said, hey man, this guy. I don't care much for him. I think he's narcissistic. I think he's a bully. I think he's a blowhard. I think he's a northern aggressor. But but I, I, I do believe that he wants the government of the United States of America 
to obligate itself to the people of the United States of America. And when they vote on policies, when, when they vote on trade, when they vote on immigration, when they vote on intervention or not, they're not thinking about the military industrial complex. They're not thinking about Wall Street. They're not thinking about corporate America. They're thinking about the average American. That's, that's pretty novel thought, isn't it? <laughs> I know. Imagine let's go, that. Let, let's go to the phone. Tim and Florence, good morning. Hey, Ken. Hey, Dave. Good morning. Hey, Tim. Hey, so, Ken, you were talking before about the ruling class and, and not bucking the system and, you know, basically the path of least resistance and all that. So I'm going I'm to use that as a, as a segue here. And, you know, I, I don't have any reason to blow any smoke here. I mean, you know, whether I agreed with you or disagreed with you, I could still call in. You'd put me on. It just so happens that I do agree with you uh, most of the time. But uh, let me let me let me just tell you I, the reason why I like this show is because you don't care about cancel cancel culture. Say that five times real quick, and and that's why I dig it. And a lot of times too is you're not afraid to say things that that. Uh, perhaps are getting swept under the rug elsewhere. I'm going to give you an example of that. So my wife and I, we live here in Florence. We had a, a day date, a day and night date, a little getaway, went to Myrtle Beach. We never go to Myrtle. We used to go to Surfside for vacation. But I, I work in sales, so I, I'm a Hilton guy. I got points saved up. We stayed at Ocean Enclave. That's, in my estimation, the nicest Hilton in Myrtle Beach. Just for perspective, it's right, right on the boulevard, right next to the that building that the tin roof is in. And uh, so it's walking distance to what used to be, you know, the, the, the main drag, if you will, in Myrtle Beach down around the old pavilion. So uh, we decided to do something we hadn't done in a long time. We were going to go old school, and we were going to go to the Bowery on Saturday night, just listen to some live music. And as we walked down from our hotel uh, down towards, again, Peaches Corner, Ripley's, you know, that whole corner, the closer we got, it's like, wait a minute, something doesn't feel right here. Now, just as a matter of fact and, and pointing out demographics, we realized we were in the minority big time. I mean, there were, in my estimation, probably teens and 20-somethings, and maybe it was spring break, I don't know, but there were a lot of young black folks there. Again, just pointing out demographics. And as we walked further down the sidewalk, it's like, whoa, something's going on here. And there were all these fights that were about to break out. And, and uh, I, I even made the comment like, man, some, something might go down here. Well, later in the night, we have a son, Ken, same age as your daughter. In fact, he went to elementary school, reached junior high and high school with her. So same age. So we always, where we're at, call and check in. And my wife stepped outside of the Bowery to make the phone call, and then I'm looking, and they, they close the door down, the rolling door, and I see all these people running by. And so I go outside to check on her, and I couldn't find her. And the security guard's yelling at me, going, you need to get back inside, something about an active shooter. And I'm like, oh, man, this is crazy. Well, anyway, she ended up being all right. There was a mob that ran towards the beach. She got caught up in that mob, and sure enough, there was a shooting. And... You know, they, they they made like, oh, it's just another shooting. It happens here all the time. And we've heard of some of that stuff here. But so I get back to the room, and I look on WMBF's website. I look on WBTW's website, WPDE, that night and the next morning, and no mention of it. And I'm sitting there going, that's very odd because that's, that's a pretty big deal. 
And then it dawned on me, tourism is big in our state, but it's really big in South Carolina. And it's like, man, is the city of Myrtle Beach or all these news outlets, are they sweeping it under the rug just to protect tourism? If that's the case, that's a problem. So maybe we need to look bigger than Myrtle Beach. Maybe we need to loop in Russell Fry. I don't know. But, I mean, for my wife to step outside and have to worry about being shot right there in the middle of Myrtle Beach, we, we just that, that can't happen. We need to do something about it. That's an interesting story. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's um, I mean, that, that's some of what we're discussing here. Um, gaining favor with government is unbelievably advantageous. It's far more advantageous today. I understand in a communist nation. I mean, the government tells people where to stand, what to do, what to say. I expect that in China. I expect that in Russia. I thought we were different. I thought the American ideal was we're going to run our country in the best interest of its people. And I and and once again, and these are my opinions. What, what did I say earlier this morning, Rev? My opinion of what I believe to be true may not always be the truth. I have misinterpreted many things in my life. I have thought I had something figured out and I didn't. But I believe that we're not in a political, in an era of political disagreement in its typical fashion, but rather a fundamental social conflict. And the crux of the conflict is those who genuinely want their country to run in the best interest of the American people. And those who say, ready, American people be damned. We paid a lot of money to be at the front of this line. And we need certain things to act a certain way. And if the American people are expensed at that, or they've taken advantage of that, you just got to understand when there's this much at stake and there's going to be winners and losers, we paid enormous amounts of money to have this sort of influence over our government. Take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. 843-661-0937 is our number. Someone's on the phone. Let's go there. Bobby in Hartsville. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, good morning, guys. I got two things I wanted to address. Uh, the first one is, Ken, you were talking this morning about Kemp being the uh, vice president candidate. I was talking to my supervisor. He's from Georgia last week, and uh, he was talking about the reason Warnock won was because the lack of uh, – the lack of the, the Republicans to show up to vote. And um, so I, I just wanted you to elaborate on how do you figure if Kemp is the vice president candidate, uh, are enough of the of those who did not show up to vote for Walker? Are there, is that going to be enough for, for uh, them to vote, up for, vote for Trump with uh, Kemp being the vice president candidate? Also, the second thing has to do with the Bud Light situation i had saw a post on uh, twitter and i thought this was so true it says the left always wins they take the hit up front but then the addictions of the right went out they did it with sports nascar and now beer they take a temporary hit for a long-term gain i'll take it off the air thank you bobby appreciate that i mean i don't have a good answer to either one of those um having run for office i know how to build a statewide infrastructure Kemp has a Kemp has done a phenomenal job in building a statewide infrastructure. Walker was a marginal candidate. Walker was a very different sort of candidate. Um, Herschel was a football icon. The greatest college football player I've ever seen in my life is Herschel Walker. I ain't so sure he couldn't play today at 60 some <laughs> odd years old. I mean, really, it truly looks like he could. 
but but Brian Kemp won that state. I think he outperformed Walker 10 or 11 percentage points. Bobby is insinuating that the, the Trump voter, the Walker voter, won't vote for Kemp or won't vote for Trump even if Kemp's on the ballot. I think it's the best hand to play. And I think if Kemp's the VP candidate, it takes the South out of play. And you commit all your resources to Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, maybe a little bit in Virginia, probably not if Trump's the nominee. Uh, Trump's not going to play well in Virginia. There's a certain places Trump's not going to play well. But the working class in Pennsylvania, the working class in Wisconsin, the working class in, um, in Nevada and Arizona are ripe for the taking. So, so I'm making a strategic um, ploy. If Kemp's on the ticket, the South is done. You don't have to play defense in Georgia. Um, give Ron DeSantis a lot of credit for turning Florida redder than it's been in my lifetime. I mean, I don't remember the historical analysis of Florida, but but that's what I'm saying when it relates to that. Um, go to the Bud Light and, and the baseball and racing and whatever, what, whatever um, leftist issue that corporate America embraces that causes you to want to boycott. I'm not going to let um, leftist America change my view on NASCAR or change my view on baseball. I mean, I've been a baseball fan all my life. I've been a NASCAR fan all my life. And I'm not going to let, you know, some um, decision made at the corporate level by, I mean, in this case, Anheuser-Busch or InBev, the parent company of Anheuser-Busch, I think it was a terrible decision. I think it was a horrible decision. Um, hey, let's take somebody who's transgender, uh, let's take a transgender activist and see how many beer drinkers we can offend. I mean, I don't know how, I mean, I, I don't know how to make that calculus, the, you know, but, but it is what it is. The point I tried to make last week is that decision was made so far over the heads of the local convenience store owner, the local truck driver delivering beer every day, the local uh, distributorship. That That's the only point I try to make. I'm not encouraging or discouraging a boycott. I think Don Jr., if I'm not mistaken, Rev, on Twitter over the weekend, um, called for an end, whatever he means. Something he called for, I didn't know he was king of the world, but he called for an end out of the Bud Light. Well, he said it's not boycott. worth uh, destroying a legendary historic American brand. But, I mean, they kind of did it to themselves. Right. And I get some of you are emotionally attached to certain goods and products. I've just made a decision personally that I'm, I've been a baseball fan all my life. Baseball does a lot of things I don't like. Moving the All-Star game out of Georgia was a senseless decision as far as I'm concerned, but I still like baseball. I still like NASCAR. I think NASCAR's made some boneheaded decisions recently. Um, what would I, would I be in some, some boycott? You know, I've got friends of mine. They don't watch baseball anymore. They don't watch the races anymore. They don't drink Bud Light anymore. You're certainly entitled to make that decision. I just choose to let the the the, the game or, or the product or whatever my loyalties lie. But but once again, what did I say this morning, Rev? I'm not telling you the truth. I'm telling you my opinion <laughs> of what I believe to be true. And and I've been right some, and I've been wrong uh, at other times. But but I you know my gut tells me on the Kemp issue. That there's so much to gain. Kemp isn't crazy about Trump. Trump's not crazy about Kemp. Remember Reagan and Bush? I mean, they weren't real crazy or fond of one another, but it was in the in the best interest of winning. And I think putting Kemp on the ticket with Trump kind of allows Trump to, ah, man, I got to pick a guy I don't care much for. Kemp's got to say, I got to go, you know, be, be the second lieutenant to a guy I don't care much for. But at the end of the day, it gives the Republican Party a better chance 
to be successful in the republic i'm excuse me the general election in 2024 and i'm about beating democrats i mean that that's kind of what i want to see happen in the uh, 2024 presidential election bobby your opinion is absolutely as valid as mine and i don't know that we disagree that much it's a little bit nuanced in some of what we uh some of what we disagree we touched on last week an issue that i think is very interesting uh, Rev and I have always tried to make time, especially in the 9 o'clock hour, for people who are devoted to causes and issues that make a community better. Adoption and foster parenting is something we touched on last week. Jennifer Danford is with us. She is a, um, I'm going to proclaim her an expert, whether she says she is or not. Jennifer, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm so, good. So here's a better question. Um, why are you as involved in adoption and foster parenting as you are? Um, well, I am one. Okay. I'm an adoptive mom. And because when we first became adoptive parents, uh, we felt like we were on an island um, because the trauma that our daughter had endured because of the first 17 months of her life being in an orphanage um, brought about some behaviors that we were unfamiliar with that were no fault of hers, but it was just the way that her brain switched over into survival mode. And so even though we had done a pretty good job of keeping our other two daughters alive and what looked like thriving, um, things were different with our youngest. Um, again, no casting shame or guilt or embarrassment sure. on her. It was just the hand that was dealt to her. So we want to come around other families to say, you're not alone. And um, just to offer some training that I have learned and been trained in to them so when you decide to become an adoptive parent or a foster parent you don't just show up one day and say hey where's my kid um is this seminar you're hosting or, or being a part of does that better educate potential parents on what to be prepared for and how to prepare absolutely um it definitely will and we have several other organizations from across the state that are going to be represented there so Families who are considering adoption or fostering, they can come to our event Thursday night to learn more about what steps they have to take to become either of those. And they can talk to people um, right there um, that can give them the information they need so that when they leave, they know exactly what their next step is. Is the motivation because when you decided to adopt, you didn't know what to do? I mean, you don't know where to go, where to turn. I mean, is there a, um, hey, let's turn it to the Adoption Parenting Network. You know, no, but there's a food network and a, and a mm -hmm. sports network and a game show network. But, but I mean, is this, is your commitment and devotion to this cause because of how difficult it was for you in the beginning? Um, yes, but also I think it totally plays into the realities that people have said yes to fostering in particular, but also to adopting. Because they have a, um, I'll just say a clouded view of what it will look like and what they can well, offer. What do you mean by that? I mean, a, a did you have a clouded view? <laughs> For sure. Okay. For explain, sure. explain as much as you're comfortable with. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like a Hallmark movie view. Like, we will bring this child who... Um, does not have parents to care for her. We will bring her into our home. We will love her. We will point her to Jesus, and all will go well. Um, all did not go well. And, um, yes, we still loved her. Yes, we still point her to Jesus. But, ultimately, it was that trauma 
that um, that affected what was going on. And so we had to educate ourselves on what had happened and then how we as the adults were to respond to that trauma. And so with those who have said yes to fostering and adoption, and I just had a conversation with someone yesterday about this. Um, they go into it not having a complete understanding of what types of behaviors to expect. But not only that, but they don't have the tools to help them in dealing with those behaviors. Um, so that they're not looking at these behaviors as defiance, but understanding that these kids have learned how to survive. So when it's not the Hallmark card moment, you're not caught completely off guard. You, you're somewhat prepared that's right. for, for what may come, the mess that comes along. Yeah. I mean, there's mess in all of our lives, whether that's we're right. adopted, foster, or, 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 <laughs> or you know, I, mean, I, I can relate to that. Yes. Okay, so we're having an event this week. Mm -hmm. Where, uh, what time, how can people find out more and, um, and involve themselves? Yep. So it's going to be Thursday, and it will start at 630. It's going to be at Hoffmeyer Road Baptist Church, and we do ask that people register and you can go to a couple places. Um, there's information on our Instagram page, and the organization's name is The Jade Bridge. It's T H E J A D E B R I D G E. You can look on our Instagram page. You can also go to www.thejadebridge.org, and there is a tab on our website, and it says Families Matter. And at that tab, you can register for the event, and it's free to attend. And but but it makes it a lot easier on your end if someone registers, so you have an idea of who's on um who's on the way. That's right. Okay, that's right. Thank you very much. Yep, thank Appreciate you. that. Once again, what time and what day of the week? It is this Thursday at six thirty. Six thirty at the Hoffmeyer Baptist Hoffmeyer Church. Road Baptist Church. Okay, Hoffmeyer Road Baptist Church. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, thank you. And good luck this time. Yeah, imagine. I mean, you know, adoption, fostering. You know, just bringing kids into the family. Now, kids are complicated. Families are complicated. I can't imagine. I got a couple of people I'm thinking about that have adopted kids, and it never went exactly like they imagined it went. They just hung in there, persevered, as um as Jennifer has. So, um, yeah, anybody wanting to know more about that, Hoffmeyer Road Baptist Church this Thursday. But register so they'll know uh, or, or have some idea of how many do you expect. We'll take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. It is time for our Takes Mondays to make Friday's trivia. 843-661-0937 is our number. Thanks to good friends at Pepsi Florence. They support this nonsense, however um, shallow it may be, however ill-conceived it may be. They still are on board, and we certainly appreciate the, um, the support and the good products that help me get through a Monday morning Celsius. I think I prefer the Celsius to Fast Twitch. I don't know if I should have said that, but I think I do. I don't know yet. We'll still, we'll further evaluate <laughs> More testing, and decide huh? as we move on. <laughs> hey, I don't know that I, I'm, I'm, I've kind of done this in the fast track and, and you got to trust Google, but so far, here's my question. You ready? What is the number one selling beer in the world? And it's only sold in one country. The number one selling <laughs> beer in the world. You can't buy it in America. 843-661-0937. It's largely being sold in only one nation. Here's a couple of um, Google stories there, but is the best-selling beer in the world. 843-661-0937. I would have never guessed this. 
I expected to find uh, another brand, a more uh, a more known uh, brand, but not the case. Eight four three sixty oh nine three seven. Somebody on the phone? Yeah. Hi. You know the answer? Is it Dinkelbrock? Nope. That's not it. That's close, but not the number one selling beer in the world. Hi. You're on. You know the answer? Is Genesis Draft? Nope. That's close. That, uh, both those in the top five. Eight four three six six one. Oh nine three seven. I would have never guessed this. Hi, you're on. You know the answer? Is it Meisel? Nope, that's not it. Eight four. I, you got to be careful how you trust uh, Google. But everywhere I looked, said this is the number one selling beer in the world. Where are there a bunch of people? Eight four three six six one zero nine three seven. Hi, you're on. You know the answer? Fosters. Nope. Eight four three six six one zero nine three seven. Hi, you're on. You know the answer? Is it Budweiser? Nope. All those are in the top ten, but nobody's got I, – I'd I never heard of it. I mean, I'll level with you. I never – but I'm tired of giving layups for <laughs> trivia questions. I want somebody to hit a three-pointer. Hi, you are on the air. You know the answer? Hofbrow? Nope. From Munich? No. Good, all good guesses, I'm sure. Very good guesses. Yep. And they would have been my – I've never heard of this brand of beer until five minutes ago. Hi, you're on. You know the answer? Corona. Nope. That's another big seller, but not the best-selling beer ever. This is pretty impressive. We got more than six listeners. I know. Listen yeah. to that. Hi, you're on. You know the answer? No. Yep, that's it. Who is this and where are you calling from? Carol from Marion. Hold on just a couple of minutes. What I'll was look, it? Yeah, Snow Beer. Oh. It is sold nearly exclusively in China, but, but I mean, there's like billion and a half people in China. It's sold right. in other parts of Asia. But it's the best-selling beer brand in the world by hectoliters. Mm. See, I know what I'm talking about now. <laughs> okay. By hectoliters, S-N-O-W, Snow Beer, is a brand of lager beer from China. It is brewed by C.R. Snow. Uh, it's a joint venture. Uh, I think Miller's got some hand in it as a Chinese brewery or, or beer manufacturer. But it is the best-selling beer brand in the world despite largely being sold only on mainland China. 84366. Thank you for um, Thank you for all those calls. Uh, a lot of good guesses, and I never heard of that. That was fun. But I'd never heard of that brand of beer. Um, and it goes on to kind of specific. I mean, go, go Wikipedia snow beer. It's kind of interesting. Um, but the Chinese keep everything a dirty secret. You know how those <laughs> communists are. They don't tell you. They don't tell you everything. I got a buddy of mine. I read him one day. I said, hey, man, you know the number one killer of birds in the world? He said, no. I said, glass. And he said, what about cats? I said, cats are number two. And he said, and I'll never, he said, uh, nah, I don't buy that. Cats don't turn in all those um, birds they kill. <laughs> <laughs> you know how cats are. They're sneaky right, anyway. How would you know? Yeah, they're, they're a little bit sneaky anyway. Yeah, cats turn in about half the birds. Well, snow beer uh, is, uh, per, per some of these global ratings, say uh, the best-selling beer in all of the world. Hey, a Monday in the books. We'll try to do better um, tomorrow, thanks to Pepsi of Florence, and I mean that sincerely. They they are um, a great, great partner and sponsor. Um, the Celsius on Monday, Marto Reb, this morning at about 7.30. I said, I can't wait till 9 today, man. <laughs> I mean, I was dying on the Needed vine. Needed a little pick-me-up, uh, huh? Didn't have any energy, but that 200 milligrams of caffeine is always the difference maker. Um, thanks to all of you. Hang on. We'll get uh, the information from the caller in two seconds. Enjoy your day.